0: Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, that was a heck of a weekend of sports right there, including the NBA. What a weird weekend. The Utah Jazz, uh, really I think it was best case possible for the Jazz. You never thought they were going to win in Phoenix, and they didn't, it wasn't even close. Uh, But they did come back and grind out the win over Toronto. It wasn't always pretty. They got down by 10. They really didn't defend well for a while there. Late first quarter, early second, and they had 20 turnovers and just kept giving Toronto easy buckets. But I thought from late second quarter on, they started defending better. And I thought really they only gave up 40 points in the second half. And when you consider that probably 10 of those – can be blamed to fast break, turnover kind of stuff. Like Toronto just wasn't getting anything in the half court. So the Jazz don't have a lot of offensive firepower, certainly not what they're used to with Mitchell out and with Conley out, and they're both going to be out again tonight against San Antonio. <clears throat> so without that firepower, they had to defend. They did it well enough to win, 106 102, and they got the W. So they are still tied with Phoenix for the best record in the West. The Nuggets are coming. They won, so they're, uh, what, that's 9 out of 10 for them now. They're 9-1 and since Jamal Murray went down, and they look good. But everybody else has real problems. What is going on? The Clippers lost to the Nuggets. They have dropped to 4th. The Lakers are essentially, it's a three-way battle royale here for the 5th, 6th, and 7th spots with the Blazers and the Mavericks, and the Mavericks lost to the Sacramento Kings. The Lakers fell to the Raptors. Now, Think about this. You're, you're a Jazz fan. You're not happy with the way the team is playing. You're not liking how things are going. But think about it. They did beat Toronto, and they did beat Sacramento. And I know you're saying, well, DJ, man, those teams are terrible, and we're trying to gear up for the playoffs. Don't, don't tell me about wins. That's Beating those teams, that, that, that doesn't even remotely compare to what you're going to have to do in the playoffs. You're right. I agree. I'm not arguing that at all. But the night after the Jazz beat the Raptors, the Lakers lost to the Raptors at home. Toronto was going back-to-back. And I realize not everybody was. They sat five guys uh, against the Lakers on Sunday. And it was kind of a mism- mix m- mix and match. I can't even say the word. It's like a mashup of the lineups. Let's go with that. They mixed and matched there. Whew, that was too hard. It's early on a Monday. Uh, Kyle Lowry didn't play Saturday against the Jazz, and he did play Sunday. But Fred Van Vliet did play Saturday, and he did not play Sunday. So there's that kind of thing going on but the Lakers lost. They got they were up by 8 and all of a sudden they were down by 20. <laughs> wow. So whatever angst the Jazz have, the Lakers have it cuz they also lost to Sacramento. And Sacramento not only beat the Lakers, they turned around and beat the Mavericks. So, you got to give it to Sacramento. They, they rolled over against the Jazz. They got down and they didn't get back up and they rolled over and they got annihilated by the Jazz. But rather than fold their tents, they did fight back and beat the Lakers and beat the Mavericks. So, it, it really leaves the West in a mess. You're trying to figure out if you're, you know, one, two, three, four. who are you going to play in the playoffs? No idea. No idea. you got three teams ten games back of the Jazz and the Suns. And so who knows how that's going to sort it out. And whoever is seven, whether it's the Blazers or the Mavericks or the Lakers, they're going to have to go into that play-in tournament. So good luck figuring all of that out. It's chaos. But the Lakers have not looked good since LeBron came back. You know, they've still got time. Everybody's got about eight games to, to figure it out here down the stretch. And for the Jazz, this question, when do they get their guys back? But nobody wants to hear about the Jazz injuries. You know, Kyle Winningham says, uh, you know, nobody wants to hear about your problems, right? Uh, 90% of the people uh, don't care, and the, and the rest are glad you have them. I think the third thing you can add to that, which is a nice line, he's repeated a bunch of times, is that everybody's got the same problems. I mean, the Lakers are trying to get Kawhi healthy, get him back. He's back now, you know, and get him into some kind of um, rhythm for the playoffs. Uh, LeBron and AD are back. They've been out injured. They're trying to get into some kind of rhythm for the playoffs. The Mavericks have had Porzingis in and out of the lineup all year long, every bit as much as Conley, probably more. Um, Because, you know, Porzingis is clearly supposed to be their second-best player. You know, Conley on any given night with the Jazz – you don't know who that second big offensive star is going to be. How about Bogey coming up with 34 points against the Raptors, right? And some nights it's Ingles, and some nights it's Conley, whereas in Dallas they're really counting, they're really counting on poor Zingas to, to bring it all the time, and they, and they just don't have them. So everybody's got issues. Certainly uh, Portland, you know, McCollum was out, Nurkic was out. Everybody in the West has issues except the Phoenix Suns, and really— Except the Jazz and the Suns until recently with Donovan Mitchell going down. Uh, and, and they were 1-2, and it's not an accident. They were the healthiest teams, so they were running 1-2. Now the Jazz have injury issues, so Phoenix has the top spot. Sitting on the tiebreaker right now, but the top spot nonetheless. So, All right, well, there's a little, uh, a little NBA for you. we got the best of the Jazz postgame coming up. But next, a little college football. We'll talk with Kyle Whittingham and uh, put a wrap on spring football for the youths, kind of look ahead to the, uh, the NFL draft a year from now, as well as some of the key questions heading into the fall and an update on the transfer portal. That's all with Kyle Whittingham coming up next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
1: Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk college football with Kyle Winningham, the head coach of the Utes. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, guys. I am curious, since I don't want to look back at the NFL draft, I want to look ahead to next year's draft. And people are already putting out stuff saying there are going to be at least 10, maybe a dozen Utes drafted do you have that many NFL guys? I mean, obviously, a lot of guys came back for one more year. Do you have that many NFL guys in your roster?
2: Uh, you know, I haven't sat down and done a count, a head count of that, but I would say that uh, we're going to have a, a solid draft. Whether it gets that high, uh, I'd have to look through all the names, but uh, we've got some good players coming back, and we certainly had uh, a bunch of guys come back this year that would have been drafted in this draft had they opted not to you know, come back and, and uh, come out. Uh, this year, but but uh, I got a roster right here in front of me. Let me tell you right now, one, two, three, four, uh, you know, seven, eight at least. I would think that'd be probably just an early, uh, early guess, somewhere in that range. So it's obvious, man, your program has had
3: no shortage of NFL talent. You've been open and speaking about that since you've gone in the Pac-12. It's got you into doors that you hadn't been in, and that has led to a number of NFL talent. My question for you is in this draft that's going on right now, we've seen a number of Utah kids – that are obviously from the state, played high school ball here, but did not stay local and are going into the NFL. So it's become easier to get into doors. But how much harder has it been to maintain this high-level talent since the word is out, hey, let's go to Utah and recruit because they got pretty good
2: high school football there? Yeah, we've got very good high school football here, and, and that's uh, been evident for, for a lot of years now, and it's it's doing nothing but getting better every single year. Um, When I first got to Utah forever ago, uh, you know, back in the 90s, there may be four or five uh, collegiate caliber players in the state of Utah now that, you know, some years we're upwards of 30 plus guys. And so, uh, you know, there's a there's a ton of talent in this state. The high school coaches in the state are, are doing a great job developing that talent. And uh, it's it's you know the, the word is out as you said. I mean, there's there's uh, certainly the Pac-12 comes in here and and uh, you know tries to take people out, and then uh, you know we've got even you know the SEC coming in here, and so it's it's no secret anymore, and uh, it's a you know a highly recruited area for uh, for a lot of the Power Five conferences.
0: I am sure you've had to deal with some negative recruiting when it's time to get quarterbacks or uh-huh. receivers and you know their narrative has been thrown out by opposing assistant coaches or head coaches hey they don't why would you go there they don't throw the ball Kyle loves the ground and pound run the ball to win and all that why would you go there do you think the passing game this year has the chance especially with you know Brewer has the chance to change that narrative and and make those words really ring hollow even if people want to repeat them
2: well, you know, first of all, uh, you know, when you go back to the last two full seasons, 18 and 19, we threw for over 3,000 yards in both those seasons and uh in fact in 19 had the highest completion percentage and yards per attempt uh, of anyone in the Pac-12, and so I think that's a little bit overblown. Um we have had some terrific running backs come through here and I think the bottom line for us is you play to your strengths and whatever you know, you, you tailor things to to your personnel, and and we've had a good run of a really good run of running backs, and and uh, so we've you know we've tried to feature those guys. But but uh, going into this year, to answer your question, as far as uh, our ability to throw the football, I think it's going to be you know. A, a, a year where uh, that may be one of our strengths and so we'll have to see what happens but but uh you know charlie looked really good in spring and we got cam rising that'll be uh thrown into the mix this fall and so we really don't pay attention i guess the, the short version is or the short answer we don't pay attention much to what other people are saying we just try to get the best players in here that we possibly can and then uh like i said uh tailor things to to what they do best and, and go from there so you've been open about
3: getting a receiver, possibly even more than one, through the transfer portal. How is that going?
2: Going good, going good. And the portal is is saturated right now with players. There's forty five hundred plus uh, football players in the portal now for Power Five or, or uh, Division One FBS. I think that number goes down to to uh, you know two thousand or something like that. So it's it's uh, not. You know, as big a pool as, as, as uh, it might sound like at uh, at first blush, but but uh, we're searching the portal every day and evaluating, and as is everyone in the country. I mean, it's no, uh, you know, it's nothing that we're uh, doing and that everyone else isn't doing. I mean, it's something that is here to stay. It's free agency in college football is what it is. And that's, that's exactly what it, uh, has evolved to. And so we've got our eye to the portal every day and, and, uh, we're, uh, you know, evaluating everybody that comes into the portal every day. That is of a, of a position that, that, uh, is of interest to us. And, and, uh, we feel like right now we're uh, going to stick with that plan, you know, one or two receivers that we'll add to the program and, and, uh, we still got uh, time on our hands, you know. It's only our time on our side, I should say. It's uh, you know not even May yet, so we have two or three months to to continue to search, and and it, it becomes kind of a. A strategic thing you know you got a guy you may like but you know do you, you know if you wait and be patient you're gonna find a guy you like better and so it's it's there's a strategy to it and you gotta you know hope for the hope you make the right decisions but uh right now we think we're in, in a good place even though we uh <clears throat> haven't officially announced anybody yet we think that uh you know in the next uh 30 to 60 days we'll, we'll come away with a receiver or two that we really like the portal
0: is relatively new, and it really seems to be picking up speed. So, do you ever see a name in the portal and think, "Man, I wasn't planning on using a scholarship on a guy at that position, but we got to go get that guy," or people of that caliber not going into the portal?
2: I think the latter, more so the latter. I think that uh, you know the uh, the uh, portal is mainly you know a lot of the guys in the portal are, are guys that. Uh, are not the number one guy at their position in the, for example, wide receiver. You know, if you're not the number one guy in your, in your program and you think you should be and someone else is getting the majority of the touches, well, then, you you know, you think you may move bond. But, but typically, the you know, the top-tier caliber guys uh, stay situated and stay put for the most part. Now, there's exceptions to that, obviously, but as a general rule, I think that uh, most of them stay put.
3: Anybody after spring ball from your program go into the portal?
2: Not yet, you know, but uh, you never know. We had our exit interviews last week, and I met with all 130 guys, and that was a, a uh, daunting task. It took it took a lot of hours, but but uh, right now everybody is uh, in a good mindset, and, and uh, you know, and indicated that they don't have any plans to to uh, move on at least at this point in time. But but that could change, and I would guess that by uh, you know by the time fall camp rolls around, we'll have had somebody leave. But we'll see what happens.
0: You've built a solid program, obviously over the years, but what about the sizzle, Kyle? Are you bringing Steve Smith back next year to catch a ball out of a helicopter to end spring practice?
2: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good uh, ploy that uh, Arizona had going there, but uh, losers. You know, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true sun devil, yes sir. Um, you know, I don't know. We're not. We're typically not a, a, a gimmick outfit and, and that type of thing. But but that was that was pretty uh, pretty in, uh, creative. And so uh, props to those guys. Even though PK, you know, is going to have a bad attitude about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think Steve would do it. Anything for fun. You know, it's such a business. It's such a grind. If you can figure out something to throw a little fun in there, we will forgive you the occasional gimmick
2: absolutely a little levity never hurts exactly all
0: right well we'd love to keep you on the line and talk to you longer but you literally have a bigger name on another line phil Steele coming up we don't want to keep you from that
2: okay well i appreciate that and i know he will too <laughs> all right thanks Kyle. we appreciate a few minutes okay guys take care
0: all right Bye-bye. there's Kyle whittingham who literally as i look at the clock has like Eleven seconds to get on the phone. with <laughs> Phil Steele, because Phil wants every second he can get too. Isn't it crazy in the off season how popular guys are? PK, <laughs> it's the off season.
3: Uh, yeah, but if you uh, get an opportunity to get uh, some information, you're going to take advantage of it because guys have more time for interviews. Yeah, I mean, I used to get Majerus in the off season. We would talk for an hour.
0: Yep. Oh, and uh, Phil will. I mean, he routinely that, tweets about that kind of stuff. Thanks to Coach for an hour and fifteen minutes and that kind of stuff. Yeah.
3: And I do think that uh, football, college football, is so huge that there is an off season. We understand it, but you look at networks are televising spring games. Um, for some dumb reason, I watched the Alabama spring game the other day, flicking around, uh, just because it was on and there was nothing else. Obviously, it was a taped uh, version of it. It wasn't the live version. So college football is so, so gigantic in this country that it never lacks for interest. And as Yogi Roth has said, my wife was listening to him call a game once. I think it was the first game of the season. And I'm at the stadium. He's in the booth right next to me, but I can't hear him. She's texting me. This guy, this analyst, man, he's talking about how he loves Salt Lake because it's football crazy. And I've told you that Pac-12 people have told me that when I've been out on the road, that they said, we absolutely love Utah because they're obviously a good program. But the attention and the interest that is there is something that, of course, everybody wants. And they have it here, which I think is a massive, massive benefit to Utah in its recruiting. Because kids want to go where it matters. You come here, it matters. There's no question it matters and they've been able to get a number of guys in the NFL that way that they wouldn't have gotten before. Then Pac-12, they care. The program's in a good spot. I do think they need to do better as far as keeping top-end talent in the state. Now, it's not unique to Utah. It's around the conference, really. I mean, you look at it, it doesn't it's, matter yeah. where you are. It's nope. around the conference. Yeah. And it just, for some reason, it stings a little bit more here in Utah because we're a smaller state, at least smaller population-wise. And so we can count the kids, the Sewells and the Wilson, the Fahoko, and and it, the list goes on. I would need a list to name all the kids. And I think it's an issue. It's not particular to Utah, but it's an issue for all these programs that are pretty good programs but want to take the next step.
0: Yeah, when you see guys going top 10 and they weren't at your school, how can that not sting? You know, some of it you can rationalize away. Hey, we can only take so many guys at that position. I think if Utah loses a defensive lineman out of state, it doesn't sting that bad because honestly, they look mm-hmm. like they're always too deep and sometimes 3 deep. And so if you're going to have another guy to plug in, well, okay. But if it's a kind of talent that is first-round NFL draft talent, that that leaves uh, a mark.
3: I don't think it has to be just first round. Uh, I mean, NFL guys that are in state you're expected to get them. You've got everything that you need and that they need. And I believe you're expected to get them. And it's a blow. It becomes that because not only that then is that if he's an NFL guy and he goes to Oregon and it becomes he comes back to the community because a lot of the people, come. Haloti Nata lives in our community, yeah. comes back and they talk. Hey, a Utah kid, eh, go call this guy. He lives in your state. He can tell you all about it. And so it's, it steamrolls. It clearly does because Stanford has make a living off of recruiting returned missionaries. And yeah, you, you want to know how we handle missionaries? Talk to this guy. Talk to these guys. <laughs> and, yeah, right. And, and, uh, and they'll tell you, man, I just loved it over there. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, if they don't have the passion. Uh, stanford football but uh, everything else education blah 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 the place where you live because you're not you don't have to pay to live there and buy a house you're on campus or renting or what have you and it's a dynamic place to live and it's and it feeds off of itself and you want to cut that off as much as you can that's why they put that stuff the hometown heroes in the billboards and all they're trying to sell it to those guys. So I, I disagree. I think it's a blow to your program, and it's something you have to be aware of. Now, Utah has been able to overcome it, but the Sun Devils haven't. They have not been able to overcome it. And we'll see down the line, uh, particularly in Southern California, how it works. Uh, you know, you're going to have starting quarterbacks at Clemson and Alabama, most likely, uh, from being from Southern California. Well, that. I, I just think I just think it hurts, man, and it, it's unfortunate. But I mean, I don't knock the kid. It's unfortunate from the school perspective, uh, and I and I believe that you know Trevor Riley. I've talked to him about it, and he's of the who's the Ben Cahoon, gotten some controversy a few years back when he was recruiting for BYU. Don't go to Stanford. Uh, then you come back here, and nobody really knows you as much. Whereas if you come back, if you stay here and go here and come back here, then you're a big celebrity. So, And you can feed not just a celebrity, but you can actually benefit financially from that. So they got to get on it, but they've got a really good program, and that's all that matters, and they're going to be in contention for the South. I really believe that. I don't know who's going to win, but I believe they're going to be in contention, and that's what matters the most.
0: Do you think Brewer throws the ball away? well enough and they win enough and pile up enough yards and all that to knock down the hey don't go to Utah they don't throw the ball storyline I mean Kyle clearly is already combating that he had an answer ready and it's because he's given it before he's heard that I know he has and and he had the answer ready so quickly he had those stats available immediately
3: yeah I think they can combat it but it's up to the individual you know what What is the individual thinking? Because they've got this freshman in there from Southern California now. The Tuttle was in the – it didn't work, obviously. But they got this kid here. uh, Troy Williams was an unusual situation with the transfers. Travis Wilson they got. Uh, So what they need, what they're looking for, is a big-time stud. But even if you get a big-time stud who goes riding into the NFL – Uh, that doesn't mean you're going to get the next one or the next one because that Alex Smith was the number 1 pick. You couldn't go higher than that. right? And it's not like they rolled out a ton of guys after that. So it's up to the individual. And and Costelli, what is he going to show? You know, I can say, well, sure, he came here because maybe he didn't think he could beat out the competition there,
4: wherever there might
3: have been. So I don't know. You know, they missed out on Jaden Daniels because they had Tyler Huntley, and the kid knew I could play as a freshman. And what's the difference? Uh, Well, really, if I'm going to go out of state, what's the difference? If I go to Utah or ASU, not really a whole lot of difference. In fact, ASU is closer to his uh, family in the uh, Inland Empire area. But I think it was about playing time and opportunity. So certainly Brewer, if he does what he does, helps. But I don't think it's going to open the floodgates. I think it's an individual decision that these guys make and you just have to stay after it every day i think it helps for running backs for sure absolutely it helps for running backs and it helps for the positions that they recruit professional guys to and that's interior line and defense and running backs which man you're you're covering just about all your football team at that point If
0: if the passing game gets on track look out
3: yeah, but at what expense? You know, the passing game there for SC is all that now, but the running game
0: isn't. Well, you're gonna, have, you're gonna have everything. Yeah, And I think their line Well, yeah, yeah, that makes you Alabama. Who has and, everything? Alabama and Clemson. And you're never going to be <laughs> Alabama and Clemson. That's ex- I, think, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I think it. I think at SC the problem everyone writes about is the line play. You know that they have great skill position guys, but they don't dominate the trenches the way they used to. So, and, and I think that's more normal. You know, and there are plenty of people who'll tell you, yeah, if you're going to dominate at every position, you probably have to cheat. Everybody thinks the SEC is cheating. Nobody really wants to come out and say it, but everybody thinks the SEC is cheating. Uh,
3: If you call breaking a rule cheating or bending a rule cheating, if you call, you know, academic fraud, so cheating has a
0: wide spectrum. Absolutely. (laughs) And uh, a text outside the time period when you're supposed to be contacting, in my mind, that's one thing. You know cash and cars, and did this player get a hundred grand or whatever I mean some of the allegations are massive,
3: oh, well, they're getting cash, they're getting money one way or the other, and if you don't think so, you're naive but and it's the way to world man <laughs> so start start paying <laughs> start figuring out ways to get a money, make it. Yeah. Is is it prostitution, and we need to make it legal? Is that what that's what it's boiled down to? Because it's going to happen either way.
0: <laughs> Name, image, and likeness—that will legalize the flow of money. It won't stop the illegal, quote illegal
3: flow of money, but it'll legalize a lot. I, of it. I, I, hesitate, I hesitate to use the word
0: legal because legal, is legal, a legal, right? Term. It's not a law thing, but yes. Uh, well, I mean, it doesn't sound like a law thing, and then all of a sudden, there's a wiretap on a basketball coach who never considered it illegal. I mean, he knew it was against the NCAA rules, but he—I mean, I gotta—I gotta think that those coaches, you know, I, I can't even name all the schools that got hit, but Arizona and USC, because I remember the Pac-12 schools. Mm-hmm. I bet yeah, those yeah. coaches didn't think, "Hey, I might get in trouble with the NCAA," but they never thought they were going to get in trouble with the FBI. <laughs> I just don't think they thought that. I don't think that was on their radar.
5: Yeah,
3: because who would do that,
0: right? And then all of a sudden, surprise!
3: Yeah, right. And they paid a dear price for that. Yep. So. Uh, Bottom line is that Utah is—it's probably going to continue to be who it is, and they're going to have to battle that. But I think they have more things that work in their favor as opposed to things that they have to overcome.
0: Yeah, and I think the the passion of the fans is just—it's uh, just a huge positive. And you can talk to the people who do the recruiting, and they'll tell you that Utah and Oregon have an advantage over the rest of the league. For a kid who goes to one of those games for the first time, one of those out-of-state kids, right, and any of the other 10 schools are recruiting them, it feels different on the sidelines or in the stands at a Utah-Oregon game than it does anywhere else unless, you know, USC's playing Notre Dame and the place is sold out.
3: Well, unless you're winning, though. But I I think you can get it. You can get it in Tucson and Tempe and in the Rose Bowl if you're winning. I believe you can get it if you're winning.
0: All you right, D- find ways to win. DJ and PK, we will leave it right there for now. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. After the Utah Jazz hold off the Toronto Raptors 106-102 Saturday night. That's coming up next. Stay with us. The Utah Jazz beat the Toronto Raptors Saturday night, and the Raptors are struggling in the East, laboring, hoping to make that play-in tournament, and you know, it doesn't look like a great win. But, when you consider what happened to the Lakers, they lost to the Raptors Sunday. Looks a little better, doesn't it? Let's get the best of the postgame show. Right now on 97.5 and twelve eighty, the zone.
6: Welcome in on a beautiful Monday morning. Utah Jazz get a big win against the Toronto Raptors. Quinn Snyder addressed the media following it. How important is it for you guys to, to establish a rhythm and, and play well down the stretch?
7: Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's always important to you know to play well down the stretch. You know, that's something that hopefully you're, you're in close games because um, you know um, that you've at least done enough to be there. And, you know, when you can get stops, um, particularly late, but, but also, you know, defend late, uh, you know, through the whole fourth quarter, not just the last, you know, two minutes. And that's really what we did tonight. I thought collectively, um, you know, we really just focused on the defensive end and, you know, they're so quick and, athletic and apply so much pressure that, you know, I thought really Joe and JC, you know, did about as good a job as you could handling that. And obviously Trent gave us, you know, a huge minute. So trying to take care of the ball and, and getting stops is a pretty good formula, you know, for, for being able to win a, you know, win a tough game. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
8: When what was the key to kind of getting the defense turned around in the fourth quarter? Because it seemed like, you know, whether it was in transition after after turnovers or even in the half court over the first three quarters, you guys kind of struggled with that. But um, then they shoot six for twenty four in the fourth. What was the turnaround? Well, I,
7: you know, I think we just got better as the game went on. Um, they made some, you know, they made some really tough shots early, I thought, particularly Van Fleet. And, you know, as you said, you know, it's always hard to defend against turnovers. So, to the extent we were, you know, sometimes it's just important to, to, to try to get a shot for, for us moving the ball quickly, I think was the key, you know, in that situation. Um, after we played pick and roll, we weren't getting anything in, in early possessions, but um, from the defensive end, my point is, you know, our offensive efficiency helps. And I thought we were determined, you know, and it started with really getting back. Um, they pushed the ball so quickly, you know, particularly after makes. That You know, probably the most – the best example of that was the possession where, you know, GC had that, you know, that dunk, uh, which was a big-time play, and then there's a moment there where you – you know, you can't celebrate they come back the other way. So I thought our transition defense and, you know, our, our connectivity, you know, we were switching things when we needed to, we were helping each other. We were physical. Um, So a lot of things that kind of point to determination.
9: David James,
10: KUTV.
0: They were breaking off turnovers, but they're also breaking off, um, opportunities when shooters were hitting the floor. Is that something you've addressed about staying on your feet after a shot attempt? It looked like some guys might've been trying to draw fouls. Well, sometimes when you shoot and you get knocked down,
7: it is a foul. (laughs) So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about playing off two feet. Um, You know, sometimes when you attack the rim and you stretch out off one foot, um, and you do get knocked down, you know, that, that's what happens. It, it almost is a turnover because you're, you know, your numbers in possession um, or in possessions like that, it's really hard to defend against. But I, I think it's the same thing, you know, however, it, even if you fall down, you know, it's, it's like how quickly can you get up and, you know, getting a mindset that you're just going to get to the next play, you know. And we've talked about it as far as even when you, you know, you don't get knocked down or, fall down you know sometimes it's even thinking you might have got a call and, and you know turning to a referee or whatever the case may be just getting to the next play you know is is the biggest thing
9: Ben Anderson Castle Sports
4: Quinn it seemed like Trent did a lot of the things he usually does but there were more tangible results is it hard to kind of preach to guys to kind of keep doing what they do and you know the points will come the assists will come the stops will come
7: Yeah, I don't think Trent's played that much to know what he normally does. You know, (laughs) what I see Trent doing, I'll tell you what I think he does, is I think he really works defensively. You know, he's long. He had that one big block on Ben Fleet. Um, You know, and and he's unselfish. I think he's got a great pace in pick and roll. And when he he got in the lane and, you know, he's able to do that. That's, you know, because he hasn't played as much, that's something that, you know, people haven't seen, um, but he, he, he really is, you know, for a young player that he's just got thrown into it. He's got a lot of poise and a great tempo to his game. And, you know, maybe, you know, the, the, the shot that he hit in the corner, um, you know, you guys know how I feel about that. You're out there and you're open, you got to shoot it. And um, sometimes it, you know, sometimes that's not easy, especially if you're a young guy and maybe you missed the first one. So, um, I thought that was obviously a really big shot uh, for our team. You know, it was worth more than three
6: points. There you go, Quinn Snyder. Fantastic comments. Boyan Bogdanovich took to the podium following Quinn Snyder. Here's what he had to say about the big win. Hey, Boyan. Um,
4: obviously, you miss Mike and Donovan, but has getting more touches allowed you to get find more of
11: a rhythm? I mean, yeah. Obviously, I have a, I have way more, way more shots, way more touches offensively. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to post more to get a, to get a those easy, easy buckets or, or, or free throws. But, uh, but I hope they're gonna be so, as soon as possible back.
9: Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune.
4: Bojan, so, yeah, you spent some time guarding Pascal Siakam and some bigger players tonight. What's the key to kind of defending those bigger guys, especially kind of with that how athletic
12: Pascal is, especially?
11: I mean, great, great player. He's he's playing great last couple of years. I mean, it's it's kind of easier for me because I know that that Rudy Rudy is behind me. So even if he pass me or, or he won't have a he won't have any easy. Easy shots. So I'm just trying to to contain those those bigger guys and force them to have a to have a tough shots or or kind of kind of force them into Rudy.
7: Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
8: on. You guys got some huge minutes out of uh, Trent Forrest tonight, especially with the defense was playing on Fred VanVleet in the fourth quarter. What did you see out of him,
11: uh, especially late in the game? He was. He is big time for us. Whenever he stepped on the court, we got something from him. Like you mentioned, he had a, he was guarding uh, Van Leet in the last quarter. He had a great, great block on him. Really, really smart player and offensively. He know how to how to play, pick and roll, how to read uh, the situation over there. And like I said, whenever he's on the court, we got, we got something from him. So great, great game once again.
7: All right. Last question will be Maxime from the Free Agent
4: France
11: how do what makes the difference tonight compared with yesterday i mean we didn't have a we had, we didn't have a, those those turnovers that we had in uh in the first half when when we allowed twenty points of, of turnovers. so when we when we have a shot it's it's easier for us to to get back and and, and set up our defense so our defense was was great, especially especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. We allowed them just to score 13 points. And then, like I said once again, it's it's easier for us to be aggressive when you know you got Rudy behind your back if they pass by you. Good stuff from
6: Boyan Bogdanovich. Obviously, a big night from Trent Forrest. Here's Trent Forrest talking about his big three that set up a big win. First off, what's it like, kind
8: of getting? thrown into the mix, you know, with Don and Mike out and then finding yourself guarding the likes of Fred VanVleet and not only that, but, you know, blocking a shot of his and, and hitting a huge corner three in a in a crucial moment.
9: Um, it was good. I feel like for me, um, I get to learn a lot from those guys, Mike and Don and even Joe. <laughs> in a sense, because they all kind of play my position. So I always kind of watch them and what they do. I just try to use the things that they teach me and that I pick up and try to just do that in the game. So I feel like just with that and the preparation with the coaches, I mean, it all just kind of worked for me.
7: All right, next question, Ben
9: Anderson, KSL Sports.
4: Trent, what are some of those things? What, what, What have you learned the most that you didn't have at Florida State that you feel like you can do now? Um,
9: I mean a lot honestly just the pace they play with how they see the floor um, I feel like that's two of the biggest things with us because we are a ball screen dominant team just I mean the reads they make the tempo at which they play I mean I feel like I I probably watch more than I really should, but I mean, it's a lot. And even like guys like Royce, I I watch Royce a lot too on defense because he guards the best player every night. Um, so I just pick up little things that he does as well. And I I try to use them myself.
13: Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey Trent,
4: Quinn said that it couldn't be hard for younger players to shoot when they're open. Did you have any of that fear in that fourth quarter three?
9: Uh, not at all. Not at all. Um, I mean, every day in practice, I mean, we rep it out. Um, any corner three, I mean, every shot, every three that we take, I mean, we rep it out a lot. And the coach that I work with, he stays on top, of, on top of me about just, even if you miss three in a row, however many you miss, the next one is always going in. So that was just my mindset going into that shot. So, I mean, for me, it was just another shot to take.
10: Right. Uh, we have James Edwards at Deseret News.
4: Yeah, I'm curious. Is it intimidating um, on a team with so many great three point shooters or do you
12: use that as motivation, especially in practice, to see the work ethic that they use to try and improve that part of your game going forward? Yeah, no, it it motivates
9: me a lot. Coming here. Like, I really didn't know kind of how our team was. So my first week here, I was really amazed at how, how much time they put into shooting. And I knew for me that was going to be a big part of my game. Um, and, I mean, it's working. Just continue to shooting those shots. And, I mean, we have some of the best three-point shooters in the league. JC, Don, Mike. <laughs> you can just go down the list. So, I mean, I, I definitely get motivated a lot from how much they put into their shooting
7: uh Tony Jones the athletic
6: is next Trent when, as 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 somebody who's a depth piece uh on the roster
3: how important is it for you you know to to be able to 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 provide good minutes in cases like this when Mike and Donovan are out and in cases where like tonight it's your third night third game of four nights and and you know a lot of the roster
6: uh has heavy legs
9: Yeah um... I mean, for me, just staying ready. I feel like that's the biggest thing, kind of like you said, or watching film, um, knowing that your number is probably going to be called. So you have to be ready. And that's kind of going back to our our vets on the team. I mean, just talking to them, asking them what they see on the court before I check in, just things like that. So then when I get in, I mean, I can kind of pick up where we need to be at. So that's kind of how I look at it. Uh,
7: Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Brent, who's
9: the assistant coach you work with most? I work with Lamar and Keon Doolin, so both of them probably about equally.
6: How are those guys to work with? What are you
12: know? How are they good at their jobs? I guess.
9: <laughs> um, I honestly don't know. I mean, I'm sure they've been doing it for a while. Um, I can say on Keon's part, he he's played in the league, so I feel like that gives them a big help when he's working with players is that he's been there. So he knows what works and doesn't work in with Lamar. I mean, he worked with Royce when he first got here. So he, he knows how to kind of help people become better shooters. And I mean, he's been with Royce. I mean, for what, a couple of years now, and Royce is a great shooter to me. I think he is. So, I mean, just trusting those guys, I know they know the answers. And I mean, I always ask them because I know they can help me in many ways.
6: There you go. The youngster, Trent Forrest, fantastic game from him. Rudy Gobert rounded off the night with some comments from the podium.
8: Hey, Rudy. So you guys struggled defensively for a lot of the first three quarters, whether in transition off of turnovers or made baskets or even in half court. You know, Toronto was over 50% for most of the game. And then everything really seemed to kind of turn around in the fourth. So um, what were you guys struggling with in particular? Early on, and then what changed as the game went along?
10: Uh, first of all, I think they start, They came up, came up making shots. Um, you know, I think we did a great job for the most part of the game, just uh, protecting the paint and uh, and also rebounding. You know, they didn't get much second chance points. Um, they had a few transition points, our turnovers in the first half and uh, second half. You know, I think we were a little sharper offensively. We were tougher. You know, we knew that uh, there wasn't going to be foul calls. So we just had we just played through it. And, uh, you know, everyone was getting open uh, and, you know, getting shots up at the rim. You know, whether we miss or make, uh, we were able to to get back and set up defense. And, you know, uh, just making them try to hit tough shots, contested twos. And, uh, you know, they made those early and uh, they just didn't make those in, uh, in the fourth quarter. Next up, David James, KUTV.
0: Rudy, it took like it looked like that took a lot of effort in the uh, in the closing stages of that game. Three games in four days can be pretty difficult, both individually and as a group. How much you have left in the tank for Monday with the Spurs?
10: Uh, pretty empty. Gotta uh, go to the gas station tomorrow, but uh. I mean, we knew it was going to be a tough game for us. Coming off, uh, we were on the road for a week. <laughs> I'm funny. Coming off a road trip for a week, uh, you know, and uh, back to back after a tough loss last night. Uh, we knew that these guys, uh, you know, they play physical. They play hard every night. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they're better than, than their record shows. You know, they're the team that plays really hard. They're well coached. Uh, athletic team, long, so we knew it was going to be a fight and uh, we knew that it was going to require some uh, you know, some uh, some fight and some toughness, you know, and we we didn't give up. Uh, the bench did an amazing job, you know, uh, giving us a spark Trent uh, was amazing. You know, he, I don't think we win this game without him, you know, with the minutes that he gave us in the third and the fourth and uh, yeah, just a uh, this one feels good, you know, because it was a it was a fight, and uh, nothing was given given to us. You know, we had to to go get it in uh, forty eight minutes.
9: Next up, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports.
4: Rudy, last night you mentioned just kind of the effort and the focus coming out against Phoenix wasn't where you thought it could have been. What changed tonight? What what do you think the switch was?
10: I think you know, uh, every night is different. And, uh, you know, in the season, you go through some ups and downs, but be able to uh, flush, you know, one game and get ready for the next one. And, you know, and compete the way we competed tonight. And every single guy, you know, came out, even though we were tired, you know, we we played through it. And like I said, you know, we uh, it was a physical game. Those guys were playing very physical on us and we instead of you know breaking down and breaking apart, we we came together and you know we our physicality, our focus, our connect, our connectiveness, you know, uh, just went up every single quarter. And you know, I think this scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. And uh, and you know, we kept sharing the ball, we kept moving the ball, and you know, we were about to get some great shots and you know, and be in a position to win this game.
4: Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey Rudy, how have you seen Boyan's um, offensive game change when without Rudy or without Donovan and Mike?
10: I mean, I think he's been really aggressive, and uh, for us, you know, it's been great uh, having a guy that can just uh, score in a variety of ways, and you know, and, and also create for his teammates. Uh, especially of the post you know when he's able to I feel like he's really a really good post player and he's always making the the right read you know when when they help uh, he's finding the open man and when they don't he's giving you know he's most of the time he's getting us a bucket so uh, he's been huge for us and uh you know and uh, even when the went down and Mike are back you know having him being able to uh, being aggressive uh, like he's been Uh it just make our team go from you know from here to to here.
7: And last, we have Maxime from the free agent out of France.
11: Hi, Maxime. Uh, do you feel unrespect as a team in this, league, especially tonight? Feel what? Well, do you feel unrespect by the referee or by the other team? Or- by the ref. <laughs> You're
10: gonna give me trouble. Uh, Um, I mean, every night is different. You know, tonight, obviously, there was a lot of things that uh, we had to play through. Uh, And I'm proud of the guys, and uh, you know, and just the way we we kept focus on, you know, on ourselves. Uh, We didn't get distracted by some of the stuff that was going on. You know, we kept fighting. We kept playing more physical. and, uh, you know, I think instead of, uh, you know, uh, uh, getting frustrated and, 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 and losing our focus, he made us even more focused. You know, we, we used that as a, as a fuel to, uh, like I said, just be more physical, just be more connected and, uh, you know, and, and communicate even better, you know. So I think uh, every night is different and uh, it was definitely a tough one tonight, but we we fought through it.
6: There you go. Great comments from Rudy Gobert and a huge win by the Utah Jazz. Obviously taking on the San Antonio Spurs tonight at 8 o'clock. There's
0: the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way.
1: Stay with us. Van Vliet guesses right, Bogdanovich powers through scores it, and comes back the other way with a fist bump, saying you cannot stop me tonight, I got 26, Ingles comes to get it, on a tight curl, swings to Forrest in the corner, he's not a good three-point shooter, he fires and
2: hits, Trey Forrest with the biggest shot of his young NBA career, Bogdanovich off a pin down, catch and shoot three, yes sir, bogey! four for Boyan
3: Bogdanovich tonight. Jordan, hard drive, right side to the basket, fades, shoots, misses, Gobert diving to the basket, tipped it up and in! Rudy
1: Gobert in a full-out dive, tipped it up and in! Highlights as
0: the Utah Jazz beat the Toronto Raptors on Saturday after losing to the Suns on Friday, a game that wasn't very competitive. The Raptor game, super competitive. And PK, this is what it's come down to, getting the Jazz keep playing 500 ball without Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. This stretch of 500 ball started while they were both healthy. They're both out again tonight. That'll be 10 games Donovan's missed and four Mike has missed. But you think you're going to see anything different going forward with both these guys out?
3: Different than
0: Eight and seven in the last 15 games. Big stretch of 500 ball.
3: Well, I think if you take forty percent of your starting lineup out, that's probably going to happen to most teams. Right. I don't see why they would be any different.
0: That's why I kind of expect that's what we're gonna see going forward. Because not only are you missing two starters, you're missing, well, two all stars, so it's a lot of scoring punch, a lot of ball handling. The defense got him through against the Raptors, though. That that was pretty impressive in the second half. Forty points and probably ten of those are off turnovers and fast breaks when the defense was set up it was very good and that's the reason they were able to pull that game out
3: Yeah sure, I mean that's over I look look forward, not back I mean, San Antonio went into overtime yep. last night and has to get on a plane I mean if it was the Jazz we would be making all sorts of excuses here tonight So uh, Let's make excuses for the, for the Spurs
0: <laughs>
3: Yeah So you, you need to win this game I don't care who you have You've got enough talent to win this game
0: not only will Mitchell and Conley be out for the Jazz, but DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertl are scheduled to be rested, according to the Spurs injury report. So they'll be missing a little bit themselves right there. So, Are you sure about that?
4: That's what ESPN tells me. Okay, the Jazz didn't send that out,
3: though. I mean, they rested last night. I understand that. But uh, I haven't seen anything for tonight.
0: Pre-game is set for 8 o'clock tonight, or excuse me, pregame is set for 7 o'clock tonight. And the game tips off at 8 o'clock. You can listen to it right here on the Zone Sports Network.
1: Hashtag NBA. Oh, Here's the turnover, Bucks get it Now they're running four on one, cash in Giannis, slam it, two hands He's up to 40 Dame on the wing near side, gives it up top McCollum goes around the Nurk screen Takes the long way, now drives, fades away From 13 and puts it in 30 points for CJ McCollum, that's a Game high.
4: Kyle dips around a Gillespie screen, gets into lane, goes at Drummond Fires
1: back out to Bembry To Siakam and Pascal in the far Corner, west side triple It B comes out to get another Right side. Down to six seconds to go in OT. Gorgie Jane guards Joel. Embiid in the lane. Mills driving. Here's a shot by Joel off the back. Tapped in by Simmons. And it counts. They're going to see that would be a game winning shot. The buzzer sounded. It's going to count. The Sixers win in OT. 113, 111. Highlights from the NBA.
0: And that was Simmons with a tip in. Embiid had a game winner at the end of regulation. It didn't go, but he took it late enough. There was no chance to score on an offensive rebound. Ball kicked off the rim and the clock ran out. But at the end of OT, he left just a little bit of time when he took that shot in the lane. And Simmons, just Steve Kerr was just complaining about, nobody in the NBA blocks out. I see it all the time. And nobody blocks Simmons out. His man got torn between going over to challenge NBA shot and blocking him out and ended up not doing either.
3: Plus, he's 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, uh, who's guarding him? Is his man tall enough?
0: It won't matter when you get to the wrong side of the rim. Yeah, I think he would have been. Um, I mean, it's more about making contact five or six feet from the rim. Ideally, but that didn't happen. So they get the win, and the Sixers get the win, and so do the Bucks, taking down the Nets. Uh, 42 for Durant, 49 for Antetokounmpo, as those two guys, epic shootout there, and the Bucks end up winning by three when Durant misses at the buzzer. In the West, the Suns, well, they didn't exactly blow the Thunder out, but they got the win, 123-120, and the Thunder hit a three right at the bitter end, so it was really a six-point game going down the, uh, the final couple possessions there. So, Suns get the win, they're tied with the Jazz again, and they've got the tiebreaker, so they're number one in the West again, thanks to 32 from Devin Booker in that win. Yeah, the- it's
3: probably going to go back and forth to an extent, but I, I just don't think it matters that much.
0: Teams in the West that you would expect to win that didn't. The Mavericks lost to the Kings, 111 to 99, and the Lakers lost to the Raptors, 121-114. So the last two teams the Jazz beat, and the in the Kings' case, really drilled them. Well, the Kings have turned around and beaten the Lakers and the Mavericks here. They answered the bell a little bit instead of rolling over for the rest of the year.
3: Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's something nice to be said. Marvin Bagley was back. He wasn't there when the Jazz. Kicked the you know what out of him, what was it, last Wednesday? Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, he had a nice game. But the Mavericks, uh, they've been streaky all season. They're an okay team at best.
0: And they showed that with the loss there. And the Mavericks now, well, the the race in the West for five, six, and seven the Mavericks, the Lakers, and the Blazers all tied with 36 wins and 28 losses. So they're down to their final eight games. And they're even. No clue. What What do you think is going to happen? No idea who's going to win out of those. I mean, I would expect that the Lakers wouldn't be the one who drops to seventh. Because they're the Lakers. But clearly uh, reintegrating LeBron here and uh, and to a degree AD as well is not going well.
3: Well, they're 0-2 with LeBron yep. back. I told you, my Lakers source told you he was coming back last weekend. And uh, that was right again. That, that, that person knows what they're talking about. Yeah, they're 0-2. And now Locke. Locke is at odds with one of his heroes. Uh-oh, what happened? Well, he loves the play-in, man. He can't tweet enough about it. And LeBron, whoever came up with that shiz, needs to be fired. Oh, man. It's one thing to go against Cuban, but to go against LeBron? One of the leaders of the nation? Oh, wow.
0: LeBron wants the commissioner <laughs> fired. <laughs>
3: Oh, man, I don't know that the commissioner came up with it, but whoever did needs to be fired.
0: LeBron! The only people who seem to hate it are the ones who are riding the line of, you know, actually being in it. Well, we just need to hear from the Blazers now. We've heard from Dallas, and we've heard from the Lakers. So.
3: I mean, if you're the Jazz, why would you not like it? It gives them more games, more opportunities to be tired, more opportunities to be injured. If you're the Suns, you would love it, Sure. Have them play more games. What could go wrong? Oh, only in an, any number of things? <laughs> of course. If you have to do it, you don't like it. It's not fair. Once you introduce it's not fair, what you're saying is, I'm not getting
0: what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Let me translate the English language for you. <laughs> it's not fair, yuck! Yeah. You'll get you'll get what you get, and you'll like it. Man, to be
3: at odds, you're on the wrong side of history. If you're at odds with LeBron, how dare they? Wow.
0: I expect this is one of the things that's going to stay. Once you create more games, and another chance for owners to pack arenas, another chance for TV networks to sell trucks and write the league a check, and. I think that's not going away.
3: Yeah, I'm not so sure that uh, a team six, seven games under 500 is going gonna to fill pack the arenas. But I mean, I could take it or leave it. I mean, those teams that are involved in that uh, two weeks later, they're going to be preparing for the draft anyway. So uh, yeah, go. Yeah, I, I can live with it. It, it. it just doesn't really matter. This is the NBA. The teams at the bottom rarely do anything.
0: DJ and PK.
1: hashtag NFL
13: in my eyes he's the greatest to ever do it. I don't, I don't care about Super Bowls or, or whatnot but uh, we, we want him back here.
2: That's all well and good Matt but what if he doesn't want
3: to be back here?
13: Yeah I know and, and I, I can't even take my brain to that that spot right now so um, I just want to do everything in my power to to ensure that that doesn't happen.
0: That's Matt LaFleur, so the Packers are now going to send a cascade of compliments Aaron Rodgers' way, doing everything in their power to make sure he's back in the green and gold in the fall. This is how it ended with Favre, isn't it?
3: I don't even remember the last team Favre played with. Was it Minnesota? Yeah,
0: I think so. He was with the Uh, Jets before that.
3: You're going to have to handle this. I'm not going to get caught up in a soap (laughs) opera day-to-day.
0: NFL draft all over BYU, three seventh round picks. So, three of the last 10 selections there. So, now they've got five players drafted, and they got another handful picking up invitations to go as undrafted free agents. They got their deals. Seven. Some of them get a little That's more than a break. handful. A dozen Cougars in the NFL.
3: That's awesome if they make it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that leads to the question of the day at Facebook, and we will get to this coming up. What does this do as far as legitimizing the 11-1 season? Leave you thinking, wow, they really were good. Look at all these uh, NFL and, uh, I guess in the case of the free agents, borderline NFL guys, as you say. We'll have to see if they make it or not. First cuts, last cuts on the roster. Cold back, being on the practice squad, however it plays out for these guys as they spread out across the NFL. Yeah. But the NFL likes their talent. Five guys getting drafted is nothing to sneeze at. Not at all, no. SEC, five guys. We're the SEC. 63 players selected. It's old record, 65. The Mm -hmm. old record was 63. And they get 65 drafted.
3: Well, yeah, five guys to them is nothing but a burger
1: chain.
0: DJ and PK.
1: Hashtag Major League Baseball the
6: pitch and a line drive to center and the reds will win it nick castellanos who else to come up huge in this ball game and the reds will beat the cubs 13 to 12. 1-0 pitch
1: and A.J. Pollock hits a ball high and deep to left field. It is back. It is gone. A home run for Pollock. His second of the day. Hales first pitch. Lined in the air to right center. That's a base hit. And that's going all the way to the wall. Sits on the warning track. Nick Neal is in. Lindor is in. Conforto around third score standing. And standing at second with the three run double is Pete
5: Alonso and the Mets have taken an 8 to 4 lead here in the 8th inning.
0: Interesting Major League Baseball games and series over the weekend. Did you think we'd get to May and you'd find the Giants in first place in the National League West? No. They beat the Padres 7 to 1. They're 6 games over 500. They actually took over uh, first place. Uh, it wasn't yesterday. Yesterday the Dodgers won just to keep pace and stay a half game behind the Giants. Dodgers beat the Brewers 16-4. to Nothing like a grand slam in the first, another one in the second to get you off on the right foot there, PK. Wow, you, I know. I looked rolling.
3: at the I – I have the MLB app, and so I checked it out. It was 9 nothing, And I, whoa, they're going to probably have a good shot to win this game. And uh, Pollock and, and Beattie's 15 runs driven in. I mean, that's amazing between the two. Obviously, Pollock had eight and the other one had seven. And as you know, Pollock played his college basketball at Notre Dame.
0: You played college basketball in other day? Did I say basketball?
4: I meant baseball. Okay. So I mean, we, I mean got a, I'm just, we got a Jeff Samarja on our hands here again? I'm
3: so yeah. jazz-oriented that it's hard for me to get. I'm, I'm still stunned LeBron. I mean, once people fired. But, uh, no, I meant baseball.
0: The Reds and the Cubs, a little home run derby there. Cubs hit five homers. Reds hit five homers. But it's That's the runner at second base in extra innings and a soft little single to center that a difference is the Reds win 13 to 12 Let's go deep yeah, Again wow. and again and again
3: It happens in this game here There's not enough good pitching to offset hitting There's a lot of good pitching but there's not enough of it over the course of the season and that's why you end up with games like that 13 to 12 the Dodgers scoring 16 runs uh, you know we see it all the time we just don't know because we don't follow starters from day to day, who's it going to be?
0: Well, it was Corey Kluber on Sunday. He struck out ten, won his 100th career game. Yankees beat the Tigers two nothing, and the Yankees, after a really bad starter, back to 500, which isn't great, but looks pretty good when you've been below 500. So they battled their way back, even their record up. Weird injuries. Jesus Lazardo out indefinitely, breaking the pinky on his pitching hand. Says he hit a table while playing a video game before his scheduled start on Saturday.
4: I don't understand that. I hope that 11-year-old that got him in Call of Duty feels good about himself.
0: (laughs) You broke your finger on a table. I mean, maybe. I guess if you're playing Wii tennis or something, and you're you're too close to a table, maybe. Seems like a weird injury to me. Whatever.
14: That's his story.
3: Wheat you break hit it on a table when you're playing some Wii tennis? Would that be table tennis?
0: <laughs> well done. Give the man a rim shot. He probably deserved one earlier with the five guys thing. He definitely should get it now. Let's get him a rim shot. Get on with it already. Oh stop! Thank you. That oh man, my stomach. I'm laughing so hard. DJ and PK.
1: RSL.
0: Another slow start, another fast finish for RSL. Didn't look great in the opening half hour, kind of like Minnesota, and then took over and dominated and ended up winning comfortably. 3-1. Demir Krylock scoring in the first half, kind of against the run of play there. And then Rubio Rubin with his parents seeing him play professionally for the first time. They made the drive for Portland, and he rewarded them with a couple of second-half goals. And RSL gets the win up to a 2-0 start. All six points. Scoring goals in bunches, PK. Five goals through two games.
3: What is a used a Ricky Rubio Rubin brace? What the heck does that mean? A
0: brace is when you score two goals. It's the expression like hat trick is for three. The brace. Okay, but we
3: don't use that term in America. You people, it's if you an, want to. It's an English sport, thing, I think. And Right, but we're not
4: English. We're American. Well, Rubin. I know Rubin scored two goals, okay? I didn't use it. <laughs> Yach wrote it, but I was I didn't, and I'm it. not talking to you. I'm talking <laughs> to him. Yeah, but nobody at home knew.
3: <laughs> Shh. You read it. Once you read it, it's on you. I said he scored two goals in the second half. He did say that. <laughs> Quit passing the buck. Come on, brace. Speak basic English here. And what's it, what did you say, his parents, the first time
0: they drove from Portland? They drove from Portland, yes. He had been playing in Europe, and he played in Mexico, and they had not been able to see him. So, His second game in Major League Soccer, they didn't go to Minnesota for the opener. I expect they'll be making a few more trips to Utah. Did you show them? Were they on the screen? Yes, they were on the screen. Kind of like Zach Wilson's mother? They were featured prominently, yes. Now you take that back, PK. Nobody is like Zach Wilson's mom. Come on. Now. Well, I mean, on the camera. Yes, they were on camera. Uh, they scored the goal. They were celebrating wildly. Everybody's jumping up and down. He had more than that. He had some family and friends there. I don't know if he had. I don't know how many people he had. Ten, twenty, whatever. But there Did were a you few go to people. the
3: party yesterday, and it looked like All the Wilsons on. had a huge backyard party for <laughs> uh,
0: for I, Zach and the Jets. No, I was not invited to that.
3: Who's that? Oh, good for him. He's a BYU guy. I can understand that.
0: RSL hosts the San Jose Earthquakes Friday night, 730. They're also scoring bowls and bunches. They won 4-1 over D.C. United. DJ and PK. Golf. Mike, we're back in the winner's circle, PK. He wins on the Champions Tour. Strong finish. Final round, 68. He wins by two shots.
3: Yeah, I think it was a matter of time. Uh, normally, what happens? The guys who are fifty or in their early fifties have a distinct advantage on this thing here. And he, uh, I think his birthday's this month actually,
0: so he'll be fifty-one. Uh, you get to fifty-five, and there'll be a new set of guys who are fifty and fifty-one, and they'll probably have the upper hand.
3: If especially if they dedicate themselves like Mike, uh, you know, he's been talking about it for a couple of years that this is what he was going to be working toward. Phil is sort of trying to do both and all that stuff, and uh, Mike has dedicated himself to the, to this tour. So in my mind, and, you know, he was down there in Tucson a little while back uh, in contention right up until, like, what, the uh, 71st hole or whatever yeah. it was. Or Actually, they don't play four rounds. but uh,
0: No, but it was yeah. 16, 17, 18. It was the last yeah. three holes
3: where it got away. Yeah, so in my mind, it was a matter of time. And he'll probably win again here.
0: What is trending? It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. No job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Alright, coming up, we got Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He's gonna join us at 8:30 this morning. And Aaron Roderick, BYU football offensive coordinator at 9 o'clock. A-Rod got to go back to the draft. He's back there. Zach Wilson got drafted. And, Five guys drafted and another seven signing free agent deals. So we'll talk, we'll talk football with a Rod coming up at nine o'clock. Right now, time to welcome in Gabe Gomez, General Manager, Syringa Networks. Gabe, good morning.
14: Good morning, y'all. How y'all doing? Good.
0: Well, we know in this uh, in this time, your network is critical. So many people working from home, and it seems like every week or every couple of days, there's some story about security as well. So People have their hands full on multiple fronts, and my guess is you can help on multiple fronts.
14: Yeah, that's correct, and that, uh, that security thing is, is no joke. I mean, as, as uh, re- there's more remote workers. There's more endpoints to secure on people's networks and more areas of vulnerability, and that's where Ring ringing networks can coming to play. Not only can we provide you the, uh, the network service to connect your remote employees, but we can also help you secure your data.
0: So you got a, you're a full-service provider, and for people who aren't really up to speed, what does full-service include? How many different things can you help them with?
14: Well, quite a few, actually. So we, we have, we're we a telecommunications provider. So we provide Internet access, uh, all sorts of voice services. Um, we provide uh, data connectivity services to connect your offices. Then we also go beyond that. And we provide uh, security services and IT services so that um, you can really put everything together and make sure you have a... A well-tuned uh, network that that really meets whatever your business requirements are.
0: And if something goes sideways any day of the week, any hour of the day, do you have to wait for the uh, the office to reopen, or is there always help?
14: No, there's always help. That's one of the the big differences with the uh, Syringa Networks. Is regardless of whatever your technical issue might be, we have uh, trained professionals of uh, seven by twenty four by three sixty five. They answer the phone. They call them, call us up on our on our local number or 800 number, or uh, or even email us, uh, however you want to get a hold of us. We have live people that are ready to, to respond to whatever issues you might be having.
0: All right, you can get started at syringanetworks.net or call 385-420-7881. 385-420-7881. Gabe, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Gabe Gomez, GM of Syringa Networks. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. At Jerry Seiner Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. All right, it is time now for the question of the day. The NFL draft is complete. BYU with five players drafted. Does this legitimize that 11-1 season? Does this... Rick, all the talk about soft schedule, and these guys aren't really good. They didn't beat anybody, although they went to Boise State and blew out the Broncos, and the Broncos don't get handled like that very often. But does this do it for you? Now you're ready to sign off that BYU is really good. They are back. And the answer, PK, depends on whether you wear red or you wear blue. Are the Cougars validated? Well... If you're a BYU fan, absolutely. If you're a Ute fan, no, not really. Why not? Because they didn't play anybody. Here it is, Tanner. It doesn't. Their season was not impressive. They played high school equivalent teams, and the best team they played, Coastal Carolina, they lost.
3: Well, so the best team, because you lost, because they beat you, does that make them the best team?
0: Yeah, probably in his mind. Okay, how
3: about in your mind?
0: Uh, I don't know who would win if Coastal Carolina played Boise State. I mean, they're one of the better teams. I right? mean, they're ranked and their record look good. Best, but that, I don't know obvious. their— Best
3: team, best yeah, team, best team.
0: I don't know their—you um, know, I don't know all the teams that they played and did they have easy wins. I mean, you can drive yourself nuts with that. It's not a team we see very often. Just because you lose
3: to somebody doesn't mean that's the best team on your schedule. But I mean, under that logic, when Herbert was a senior at Oregon, then the best conference team that they played was ASU because ASU beat them. So that meant, under that poster's logic, ASU was better than Utah because ASU beat Oregon and Oregon drilled Utah. And we know that's not true. The Devils were not better than the Utes last uh, in their last full season. They weren't. So you just just because you lose to somebody doesn't mean that's the best team on your schedule.
0: Troy says in a non-COVID year, Zach could be lucky to be drafted in the seventh round since they didn't play anyone. It made BYU look a lot better than they really are. Lucky to be drafted in the seventh round. Man, He'd be NFL in danger of falling to really undrafted. Stupid. Yeah, yeah. Who, did Nor- <laughs> who did North Dakota State play? Because their quarterback went third.
3: Uh, who did they play? I don't remember. They played one game. I don't remember who it was against. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't think it's uh, well. there's two different questions yep. there. Zach Wilson and the, and the BYU schedule and all that and the, and the season. I don't think that these guys getting drafted validated their season at all.
0: What's going to validate their season, depending on your point of view as well, it's already validated or never be validated. But I think if they back it up with another good season, then people will say, and I think Jacob gets to this, it's a good start after dismal drafts over the past 15 years. If you win big and then you have a bunch of guys drafted, and then you back it up by winning big and have a bunch of guys drafted, people are going to think you're a good program.
3: Wasn't the last time they had this many guys was in two thousand? That's what the press release that BYU sent out was two thousand
4: two, I believe. Two
3: thousand two.
4: Yep, five guys also drafted that year. What did they do in two thousand two?
0: Not much. I think they were five and seven. Yeah. Might have been four and eight, something like that. But they were under five hundred. That was during Croton's three year run. Losing seasons, not getting uh, bowl eligible. His his first year, that going back to that 2000 season, that was the year Doman lit it up, but then the next three were. Or it was 2001 the year they lit it up, so 02 would have been the first year they started struggling. Corey says after the season, I think it's great for them. Side note, the Utes all came back because of the COVID of the shortened COVID season.
3: So the 2002 draft, of course, that's in the spring. The 2002 season is in the fall.
0: So, so the 2002 draft would follow the 2001 season when right. they went, they started 12-0 and 0 and finished 12-2. and 2. Right. So, that, it, so wasn't, it was following Doman's big year. It wasn't 5-7. You're, right. You're right. So the
3: last time they had five guys drafted was in 2002 which follows the 2001 season in which they were 12 and 2. And then we go all the way here all these years later. And they got five guys drafted and their season was 11 and 1. So <laughs> doesn't that season, the 12 and 2 season sort of validate this season that they would have been good? That's why I don't think it validates it because I think they were good, they were going to be good. They played a ton of guys. I can remember standing off to the side, interviewing Eliza Tuiaki one on one, and we're done. And tape recorder is off, and that's a lot. That that's times that I love that, and I missed that with the COVID deal. But I understand it with the COVID deal. But I still missed it. And he's talking about the defense, obviously, because that's what he's in charge of. And he tells me about Chris Wilcox. Chris Wilcox? I had no idea who Chris Wilcox is. He says, when he gets the experience, he will be drafted in the NFL. Now, this was four friggin' years before it happened. And he said, because you look at his, like the, the quote-unquote measurables. He's got it. He's got the size. He's got the weight. He's got the speed. He doesn't have the skill yet, but he'll get there. Now, he had a lot of injuries in his career, so it's cool to see him get through the other side of it and get himself drafted. But I can remember specifically Tuyaki telling me about that. These guys know what they're talking about. Uh, Robert and I once, walking out of the football facility, telling me about Daniel Coates going to play in the NFL because NFL people will love what he has to bring. Sure enough, it happened. So I don't need any schedule to validate it. Because I believe they were going to be good. They played all these guys for a number of years, and then they got it together, and they got the experience. And so they were good. So the last time they had five guys drafted was in 2001, and they were 12-2. and two. And now they're having it again, and they're 11-2. and two. Whoa. Well, Ute fans can't say, well, in, in 2001, they didn't play anybody because they played you. <laughs> right? <laughs> and you were in the same conference. So, if that 2001 season was a bunch of crap based on a bunch of cupcakes, then so was your 2004, so was your 2008, and on and on and on. But they're not going to say that because they're in the same conference. And Now they get all high and mighty and say, well, I didn't play anybody. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't realize Washington State was a power in football last year.
0: They were awesome. <laughs> For the first half then not so much yeah I
3: didn't realize Colorado man that Colorado ball club last year won for the ages
0: yeah but if you don't want to admit they're any good you're never going to admit they're any good I mean you can talk people into it forever and we were talking about in the middle of the season how many guys yeah. the NFL liked and how many offensive linemen do they have who'd either get drafted or be you know, fringe-drafted guys, which we see with multiple offensive linemen getting free agent camp invites. And some guys will probably make it and some guys probably won't. That's the way that usually works.
3: Yeah, well, you use logic to explain it. I use passion.
0: Yep. Well, passion is why people <laughs> don't want to buy into it because they love the red and they loathe the blue.
3: Well, those of you in red who scoff,
0: you're wrong. So the question is, will they be able to back it up? Because that's ultimately what really matters.
3: Well, that matters for this season, but that has no bearing on last season.
0: Yeah, but I think the way college football works, you uh, you build a rep. And if you have one good year, people shrug it off. And they'll find a way to... Dismiss it as fluky one way or another.
3: You think Zach Wilson is shrugging it off? <laughs> he used it to draft, be draft number two. He's signed for like $22, $23 million guaranteed. All right! <laughs> Let's have a party in the backyard! Go Cougars, but that money's already in his bank account. Sweet! It's
4: not there <laughs> quite yet, but it'll be there shortly, once he actually signs that contract. Uh, well.
3: They're anticipating it then. The point is the same. And it's going to be there, whether it's today or tomorrow. And he's going to live in Morristown. Spend many, many, many fine moments in Morristown. And that's the, as you know, the hub city for the county that he's going to play, that uh, he's going to live in, which is County. And my sister, how about this, went to Morris County Community College. What a small world.
0: All right. (laughs) Ties back to the Kinahans. That's the important thing. I assume that gives them a short commute to the practice facility. You assume correct. Brad posts, uh, you know, does this validate the 11-1 season? He says, that's awesome. It's really nice to see the Cougars drafted again. The coaching staff, I'm sure he meant coaching, the couching staff is doing things right at BYU. It's here
3: for the couching staff.
0: The couching staff. More NFL players, more advantages, more wins. More matchup advantages. Guys who can get it done. That's why coaches say players win games.
3: Well, sure, the more NFL guys you have, obviously the better you're going to be. And that's a, sun Sunrises in the East. We don't need Lester Holt to provide us with the opposite story on that because it speaks for itself. Yeah, I agree with Lester on that one. The five trillion other stories I have a problem about, but that one I agree with him. Yeah, the more NFL guys you have, the better off you're going to be. And it, I think it is a uh, – what's the looking? What, what am I looking for? Uh, it is uh, – can't think of the word, but it is a credit, I guess, is probably the best word, to the coaching staff. Because, you know, they're not going to be able to just roll out there and, and as Norm Chow would say at SC, uh, we don't recruit, we evaluate. Well, at BYU, you have to identify. You can't just evaluate. You have to identify and then recruit and develop. So the task at BYU is imminently harder. I believe it's imminently harder than it is at Utah, who's a very good Pac-12 program. SC, obviously, historically, is a much better, the best. And so they can evaluate and pick off the best. Is he really the best and and go after him and have a good chance to get him? Uh, that's who they are. And Utah is in a much better spot than BYU to get those types of players themselves, although well, they'll do an excellent job, obviously, of identifying and developing. But that's essentially what BYU has to do. Almost literally every recruit is... Identify and then see if they could develop, right? Who was Dax Mill coming out of high school?
0: It was a walk on, wasn't he? He was a walk on, and there's yeah. no chance he was on the uh the NFL radar. No. And right. yet his teammate now he
4: is. his teammate yeah. from Bingham actually got the scholarship. They both came in together. One was a walk on, now in the NFL, the other has battled knee injuries for two years. Well who the hell's the other one? Braden Cosper, he played a little bit last year, but he's been okay. out for a majority of his career so far.
3: And now Dax Mill has an opportunity to play for the Pigskins.
4: Yes, the Pigskins.
3: That's awesome. If you get your way. Well, I get my way either way. Even if you don't give it to me, I still identify <laughs> it. <laughs> and, still, and he's it, still
4: going to call him the Pigskins. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's incredible. And hats off to Tom Homo for charging through as all these other idiots didn't want to play. Great. How much money was cost? We'll never know. Does Zach Mill, is, is he getting drafted without Tom Homo and BYU forging through? Probably not.
0: Probably not. Zach would, but Dax probably not.
3: Yeah, I don't think Zach goes too. Uh, so you really got to give a ton of credit to Tom and whoever was involved in that to keep forging and keep plowing ahead. And, and finding ways to get out on that football field. Because these are job auditions for a lot of these kids. Not all of them, but some of them. And Dax Mill and all the, the other four guys who were drafted and the other, what, seven guys who have opportunities to receive uh, invites to training camps. Yeah. I mean, that's just to get an invite, you got to be pretty doggone good, I believe. And with that in mind, uh, it's important because we see guys of free agents make the NFL all the time. It's not unheard of by any stretch. You know, That's uh, we can't even identify them where we can identify the Lou, Lou Dort ones and Van F- Vliet ones because that doesn't happen very often. The Royce O'Neals of the world and Joe Ingles, you know what I mean?
0: Look at you go. That was a good list right there. Well, they just Dort
3: he scored dort. those points yeah. against these guys and played in the Pac-12 and Freddie just played for Toronto the other night and then, of course, our own guys here in town. Yeah.
0: But it's the impressive. NFL, they need 53 guys, and with injuries, right. they go through so many bodies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. seven rounds isn't enough. Even if you load up and get the eighth, ninth, or tenth pick, it's not enough.
3: Yeah, and you, you look at this, man. Is, is this, and we can get to this if you want, is this a sign? Because it's important, as you say. I don't think it validates this season validates last season, but as far as the program, the point that you were making is spot on. Is this something now that we can see? Because if you look at this, you know, the last defensive lineman drafted, uh, was what? Uh, the, the Scott Young, a fifth round pick in 2005. I'm looking at the thing that, that, uh, Brett Pine set out, uh, Dax Mill, the last, uh, Receiver drafted was Austin Colley in '09. 9 That's just too long. And what was, uh, what's the deal with uh, Wilcox? When was the last time they had a, a, a defensive back,
0: Gray?
4: 28 years.
0: 1993? And think how much passing games have advanced at so many schools. It's not like nobody was throwing the ball in 93, but now... Almost everybody does. I mean, yeah, for the sure. The service academies are still running the options. Everybody doesn't, but most schools it's night and day. So whole leagues, the Big Twelve now versus then, the SEC now versus then, whole leagues. You you got to have the AAC in that. now versus then. And there was no then then for them. But I get your point. <laughs> Those Big East schools or Conference USA or whatever they were. <laughs> I think that, and I think the number 5 is important for BYU, too, because when you look what other schools are doing and how many NFL guys they need to win, uh, we'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Registration is now open for Skyhawk Sports Academy Summer Camps. Join us for an action-packed, fun-filled summer of youth sports camps at a location near you. Choose between soccer, flag, football, fueled by USA football, golf, baseball, cheerleading, multi-sports camps, mini-hawk camps, and more. Find program info and register today at www.skyhawks.com. www.skyhawks.com. All right, PK, we are just talking about the five Cougars drafted, and you made the point that, hey, this isn't USC. They've got to be uh, USC. Norm Chow said, we evaluate. Here are a plethora of four- and five-star prospects. We choose you and not you. Yeah. We pick you, but not you. Meanwhile, USC, you got to identify, and then you got to recruit them, and then you got to develop them. BYU, but yeah. Excuse me. Yes, BYU. So, BYU with five, there were 10 schools that had more, uh, more players drafted, and then there were 10 schools that had five drafted. And mostly, it reads like a hoo hoo of college football. Right. The, the other schools that had five drafted USC, Texas, Oregon, Oklahoma. All right. And you get schools like that haven't been powers uh, in the way that those schools have been. You know, UCF, North Carolina, and BYU all had five guys drafted, and Kentucky had six. Now, it gets a little weird because you might have really good players who are in the next draft, or you might have had underclassmen come out. So you probably have to look at like two and three year averages. Kentucky with six guys drafted. And they had a ten-win season, which I think is like their third or fourth ever. And they won twenty-five games in three years, and they haven't done that since Bear Bryant was coaching there. Right. In 1950. They're a lot better, now. Yeah. right? And it's just the 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 you know, talent wins games. Coaches have told us over and over. And the NFL, of course, they miss. And you know, I don't know if a BYU guy or a Kentucky guy or a USC guy or an Oregon guy is going to be a bust. There will be busts sprinkled throughout all of this, but the the. The wins follow the talent, and the NFL scoops up the top talent. So I know that BYU schedule didn't look great, but you don't see teams that are 4-8 and eight and lousy teams getting all these guys drafted. It's, you know, it's Bama and Ohio State and Notre Dame and Oklahoma, Oregon and USC. I mean, it's the, the teams that are getting five-plus guys drafted are usually really good teams. I think they are, yeah. Yeah. Clemson, yeah. Clemson had five drafted. Now they, I don't know how many they had drafted last year. It may have been nine last year, and it may be eight next year. You know, so you ought to look at these two and three year averages to really evaluate programs, and that's why I think that it's a decent talking point today. But if you want to know if someone is really good, do they back it up with another good season? In which case, they're probably going to back it up with more good drafts.
3: Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, and there's you have to look at it uh, and. Uh, a bigger a pool of evidence because Utah doesn't have any but last year they had all those guys and then this year you know they had so many young guys and then the few guys who could have been draft eligible decide to come back and so they're still uh, ranking in a five year period. I think that I think they're still like second and third or third. As far as the number of guys drafted in the NFL, and that's with having zero this year because of the circumstances. It's a circumstantial thing why they didn't have anybody this year. Everybody who follows Utah football, to even the slightest degree, understands that they may not be Alabama SEC-like, but they are basically an NFL factory. And Pro Day at the University of Utah, under normal circumstances, is a big deal because there's a whole bunch of guys. So we understand that. For BYU, they're new to the game this year. Can they continue it? Well, I think it's imperative for them, as it is for any program, really, if they want to be good year after year just to have as many NFL guys as you could possibly have. Bronco Mendenhall was so off base on that when he was talking about he didn't know the NFL lifestyle. Shut up, Bronco. You're dead wrong. That's not you for Jake Caressa came on our air once and said that's not for Bronco to decide. That's for the individuals to decide. And I think he was trying to spin it because they didn't have uh, NFL guys. So try to spin it in a direction that's more positive for you. Uh, that's what everybody does. Whatever you have to sell, and if something is a negative, well, you try to turn it into a positive. So, And Bronco was very, very good at that, and he was an excellent football coach, no question about it. But as far as these guys, they want to bring in NFL guys because NFL guys are going to help you win, and that's so important. And they had them this year. Now when they take the field next year, you know, do they have them? Well, let's get through next season. And uh, this time next year? will be able to evaluate it. And you're going to need them because, sure, the schedule was weak. Everybody knows that. It was weak relative to the schedules that they normally play. That's obvious. And this year's schedule, COVID permitting, hopefully, will be much more difficult. And they'll have to be that much better. I think they would have been pretty good last year. And this. if you needed it to be validated, I think this – Clinches it and does evaluate, uh, validate validated. I didn't because I expected them to be good, maybe not 11 and one good, but if you're winning eight nine ball games uh, with the schedule that they play, and the same thing for the Utes or any Pac-12 team, you're winning eight nine ball games. So I think I think you're pretty good.
0: I think the thing that validates it is the previous year. They were able to win at Tennessee. They beat USC at home in overtime. Place going nuts. Great game. Where they came up short was against the group of five teams, the teams that are the core of this year's schedule. They blew the Hawaii game at the end in the fourth quarter. They coulda, woulda, shoulda won at Toledo at the end in the fourth quarter. Ditto for South Florida. Those are the three games that if they turn around, they have a really different season two years ago. It wasn't, oh, they can't beat these Power Five schools, and then this year they, they didn't play the Power Five schools. No, it was that they messed up winnable games in the fourth quarter against group of five schools. That's what held them back. That's the reason they're not sitting on two really good years in a row. And it's because they couldn't handle group of five schools on a row in a fourth quarter in a close game. Three times. All right, DJ and PK, time to welcome in the General Manager from Syringa Networks, Gabe Gomez. And, Gabe, you're standing by, ready to answer the phones here, ready to help people who are having issues with their Internet, with the connectivity, and with really their their ability to do business virtually.
14: That is that is correct. That is exactly what Syringa Networks is here to do, is really to enable and empower businesses to be able to um, – be able to operate effectively and uh, securely when it comes to internet connectivity and uh, all sorts of other it related issues and things of that nature
0: i assume that as you work with uh, different businesses and different companies you see a wide range of problems one solution doesn't fit all
14: yeah that's correct every business is very unique in regards to the way they do things the way they operate and uh at stringer networks we you know we we service uh several thousand clients in the, in the Utah market and really throughout the country as well. And so we have a pretty good vantage point into how businesses operate and what a lot of the, the unique needs are. And, and we have abilities to consult and help other businesses to, to, to take a little better look at the, perhaps how they operate their, their networks.
0: So I assume that with uh, people doing business uh, multiple time zones all across the country, in some cases on different continents, that the uh, the ability to be there around the clock is critical.
14: Oh, that's absolutely critical. Yeah, we have clients that that indeed fit that description that operate, you know, uh, seven by twenty four anywhere around the world, and so we do have a, a, st- a highly trained engineers and technicians that are readily readily available via phone call via via text, via email, um, and other other chat methods as well so that you can get a hold of any one of our, our technical personnel whenever uh, whenever you're having an issue.
0: So for people who have questions and are interested in knowing more, how do they get a hold of you and Syringa Networks?
14: Well, they can certainly uh, hit up our website at www.siringanetworks.net or, or give us a call. We have a, a local presence here in Utah. We have a, a sales professionals and consultants that can, uh, that can uh, certainly help Uh, individuals who are looking for a a better way of of connectivity, a more secure way to to connect their data networks.
0: You can call Syringa Networks 385-420-7881, 385-420-7881, or go to syringanetworks.net. Gabe, thanks a lot. Thank you. Mother's Day is Sunday. Get the best blanket ever. It's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day. Minky Couture, Sandy and her staff are getting it done for our listeners again, helping you get it right for Mother's Day. You get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. All right, PK, we got Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up in a few minutes. We've been talking some NFL draft, the other story of the weekend, the Utah Jazz, they split, losing in Phoenix, and the Suns took control of that game pretty early and then dominated pretty comfortably throughout it, and the Jazz went back-to-back and came back and played some really good defense down the stretch and were able to grind out a win over the Toronto Raptors. And with Donovan Mitchell out tonight, and with Mike Conley out tonight, the Spurs are going back-to-back And I expect it's the same recipe for the Jazz. They don't have the firepower to go out there and win a really high-scoring game. I expect defend, get a tired team on the second night of a back-to-back at elevation, and win a relatively low-scoring game. Now that I expect that, it'll probably go completely differently, won't it?
3: They scored 154 against Sacramento, though.
0: They did. And the Kings, I thought, kind of rolled over for them. And that could happen again, but I just don't expect it. But it happened once, I suppose. It could happen again. Everybody gets hot from three. They're going to pile up the points pretty quickly. But that, that seems like an outlier. It seems like a pretty unusual game.
3: Yeah, they still have plenty of shooters, though. So you don't know that. I, I think that against good teams, or really good teams. They're in trouble, obviously. But against the 500 or below teams... Uh, I see no reason why they don't have an excellent opportunity to win. doesn't mean they're going to because they' they're basically a 500 team too, as you pointed out uh, without these guys and so uh, you know Lakers, although they're two guys that missed a bunch of games are better. We understand that. Uh, I think that it's hard to win when you have that many that much star power out, but they do have enough guys to to be able to, The way i look at it be no worse than a second seed and right now if you can give me health and a two seed i sign up every time absolutely every time i have no hesitancy whatsoever because we're i don't worry about who they're going to play and i don't have that much invested so i'm not nervous the jazz in the postseason i have no nerves because i don't have that emotional investment that fans and other media members who are part of the organization do and I understand that they do and I don't have any problem with them having it but I don't have it so to me it doesn't matter who they're going to play you're going to if you get the Lakers in this round or that round who knows if the Lakers are really that good this year anyway or Dallas is good and they've got sometimes they're good sure but other times they're not so obsessing over who you're going to get. I mean, look at Denver. We're ready to bury them. No, they go, they turn around and beat the Clippers the other night with uh, George and Leonard playing. And so uh, maybe the Nuggets aren't as bad as we thought. Uh, they're 9-1 and one without Murray. Yeah. Um, and, and they did beat the, the Clippers uh, with both of their guys. Uh, I don't remember if everybody played. I don't think everybody played on the Cripper roster that they were expecting. But their two main guys did, and Kawhi's just barely coming back. So there's no sense sweating it. The way I look at the Jazz, is like I think there's three components going forward here when we get to the postseason, right? If they have all their guys and they're playing well, they've got an excellent chance to win, right? That's one component. If they don't have all their guys, they're probably not going to win. And then the third component is if they have all their guys – and don't play well, they're probably not going to win. That's the three components that I came up with. And I don't know that I can come up with a fourth one. I was trying to think about it.
0: Well, the fourth one, and this is where I thought you were going for the third one, but your third one was good. The fourth one is, do they play somebody who doesn't have all of their guys?
3: Yeah, but that's only temporary. I'm it talking is. About, It I'm, is. I'm not talking about a single round or a single game. I'm talking about getting to the conference finals. That's what I'm looking at. Getting to the conference finals. That's a heck of an achievement if you get to the conference finals. So my three components, that's with the I to get to the conference finals. Because you're not going to play three, two straight where they don't have all their guys. Maybe you do, but you don't. And then if you get there, you know, can you win the conference finals, too? It's not just getting there.
0: Oh, yeah. We'll all be greedy when they get there. Yeah,
3: well, yeah, if, you there, if you get there, if you get there... Under most circumstances, unless you had two flukes, you have an excellent chance to get to the NBA final. And then we'll see who gets there, if they get there, A, and B, if uh, who else is there on the other side. But those are the three components. So there's really no reason to sweat uh, who are they going to play, who's doing what, who do I root for? It's dizzying my mind. Who am I supposed to root for? Am I supposed to root for the Clippers, or am I supposed to root for the Nuggets? I give up. I can't figure it out three weeks ahead of time, and it's ridiculous to worry about it because was I supposed to root for the Lakers to win so they can get into this position, or do I want them to lose to get down to that position, but then I might have to face them earlier in the postseason if I drop to this bracket and the Suns go to that bracket? I mean, come on.
0: I'd like to be able to tell you, I can't possibly tell Why you. Why
3: don't I just get a bat and put my forehead on it and spin around as fast as I can and then try to run around the bases?
0: Oh, I like that. That's a fun, that's a fun deal. I hate the, that. Uh, it makes me in between queasy. <laughs> I can't watch it.
3: It makes me queasy, and if I just had my Dodger dog, which I don't get from Farmer John anymore, I want to vomit. So every time that happens, <laughs> I look away. It's like when we drive down a freeway... Or any road in which there's a dead deer off to the side, my wife immediately looks the opposite direction.
0: Yep, don't want to see that. Whereas
3: I just focus in on it. Slow down. I don't slow down, no. Because normally you're on the freeway when you see it. Grab a camera. Although one morning I was going on uh, north. I was coming into work on uh, Highland uh-huh. and right below Brighton High, there's a stoplight and there's below some apartments. And mm. these, these two ladies were going from uh, west to east. And then they were going to, when they got to the east side, they were going to turn right, just make a little quick turn on their feet pedestrians, and they were going to wait for a bus. Well, I knew they didn't see it. Once they turned right, right there at the bottom where you would push the thing for walk was a dead deer right on the little median. Uh, <laughs> and, I knew, and they were yakking because it had to They're yammering.
0: They got no idea. Yeah. And all of a sudden out of the corner of the eye, they see it. And do they just freak out? Oh, yeah, because it's like right
3: below them. Yes. And I was I was at the stoplight watching. And it had to have been this time of year which because it was light. If it was dark in the winter, I wouldn't have been able to see but i could see their reaction as they turned down and look right at their feet was this fresh dead deer
0: a couple hundred volts of (laughs) electricity going through their body Ah, adrenaline rush
3: Oh, 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 oh man and they just lost it oh man they backed away and uh i chuckled because i knew they were yakking as they were going across the crosswalk and they didn't see it and once they did see it, they were going to have not a positive reaction, obviously. And who wants to be that close to a dead animal? Probably no one. I know I wouldn't. So uh, I, my wife looks away. That's what I do when they do that bat thing. I look away because it makes me dizzy and I have a queasy stomach. I get on a swing and I get dizzy. But that's what I'm trying to do, figuring out these standings. It's pointless. It doesn't matter. Because the three components that I came up with, for me anyway, that's what I think is the most important. If the Jazz are healthy and play well, they've got an excellent chance to win. If they're healthy and don't play well, they're not probably going to win. Or if they're hurt and injured, they're not going to win. It's so uh, I'm more much, much more worried about them being healthy and playing well. And yeah. then I'll, I'll take their, give them, take the chances. I like their chances at that point.
0: And Kyle Whittingham said a long time ago, you know, when it comes to injuries, no one cares about your problems. And I think that's especially true when everybody else has the same problem. And right now, there is one healthy team in the West, and shockingly, they're in first place. And before this, there were two healthy teams in the West, and they were running one, 2
3: Look at you just dissing Jay Crowder. Yes, I am. There it is. Well, that's basically his career has been dissed the whole way. Yeah, So why
0: shouldn't – Keeps the chip on his shoulder, keeps him going. The king
3: of Salt Lake Media, David James, the award winner, the one who threw me off television, why couldn't you accept Jay Crowder? Of course you couldn't because he's been disrespected his whole career. He's out of the – he's not playing right now. And you just – they're healthy. He's over
0: here saying, what about me? I, I'm going to. What about me? What about my needs? What about I'm, my feelings? I'm going to try
3: to get a message to him. You do that. That you just totally ignored him. Okay.
0: <laughs> Good. The Lakers yep. with LeBron and AD. The Nuggets, obviously, with Jamal Murray. The Clippers with. Any he disses Will Barton. Kawhi Leonard. Yes. But you look at the top two stars on teams. Who's lost one of their top two stars? Who's lost an all star? Love Jay Crowder. Love the emotion and the energy. Not an all star.
3: Well, but yeah, but you need guys like Jay Crowder. You're not going to have five all stars. That's a true story. He was. Uh, well, how about that? Uh, it's just it's just a fluke. Uh, he was on Miami. They go to the finals last year, and now he's with Phoenix, and they're first place this year. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's not the critical, most critical component.
0: Yeah, but somebody's got to defend. Somebody's got to rebound. Somebody's got to hit the occasional uh, open shot when the stars are doubled and create opportunities for other people. And if you don't have good guys in those roles, then you're in trouble.
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. I totally agree with you. So, but obviously the Suns have had the majority of their guys have been healthy. I think Booker missed a few games. I think Mick Booker's like missed four or five games, which uh, is the most of of their yeah. main guys. Him, Paul. I guess you put Aiton in there too. So, uh, good for them. I wish everybody could have all the, the best of health the whole time, but that's not the way it
0: works. Nope. It's so. the Suns, and they're the healthy ones, at least so yeah. far. You know, who knows what's to come. To your point about rooting for the matchups, you know, plenty of guys have gotten hurt in the playoffs that we can name lots of guys on lots of teams in lots of years. So something's probably going to happen again. And how can you possibly root for the right matchup and all that, not knowing who that's going to be? And there's too much, there's too many weird. And some of these teams that aren't right yet. Still have time to get it together. The Jazz can get healthy. Clearly, the Lakers and the Clippers can play better. Murray's not coming back. Denver's the one. You know, Denver is who they are. But as you point out, right now Denver looks really good, nine and one. I don't know that they could win three series in a row and get out of the West, but I think they could take down any one team, and that's all you need to to wreck it for your group. So, if it's your team, yeah. If it's your team, they take down.
3: Yeah. And that's uh, If the Jazz are healthy and playing well, I think they have as good a chance as anybody else. And that's really all that matters. That, that's, that's all you could ask for as a fan. And I even think as an organization, as a coach, as a player.
0: We got a chance.
3: Yeah, not, not the slim and none and, you know, you're saying there's a chance in the movie line. It's not about that, no. It's, we're talking about legitimacy here. And I think there is legitimacy if they have their guys and are playing well enough, they don't even have to play their best. I don't need five, six, seven, eight guys clicking all at their greatest because if that's the case, then they're the prohibitive favorite. Uh, But that's probably not going to happen. So I may throw in the caveat. Are they playing well enough? If they're playing well enough, then that's all you really need. And, And, Get it done. If you don't get it done, then it's on you. And if you get it done, great. It's also on you, and you deserve all the credit and all the praise that will come your way. So right now, just if the, if these two need to sit out the rest of the regular season, and that guarantees me health in the first round, I take it. I, I even take it if it doesn't mean they, they can get back and get their feet wet and uh, reincorporate into the lineup because you've got a veteran and a young stud. And I think they should hit the floor running whenever they're cleared to play, because they'll—they're just—they're good. A veteran—a veteran guy who is not the most important piece on your team either. So he should come back when Mike is ready, if he's ready, when he's ready, he should be able to do what he does. And Mitchell's a, Mitchell's a beast, man. I believe whenever he comes back, he'll be fine. Whenever that time is, and if it's a couple of more weeks, what are we at? What are we? Uh, is this going in the third week now? Did we just pass the two week Yeah, mark? he's into his third
0: week. Yeah, two weeks. The, the, week, yep. the injury was on a Friday. That Phoenix game was the two week mark.
3: Okay, last Friday was two weeks, okay. Yep. So we're at, uh, at like two and 16, a half. 17 days yeah. right now. Yep. All right. Well, all right. So get, get him right. That's all that matters now. The the games here. The, I know for some who are obsessed, and want it so bad, and are such a hardcore fan, they they, they it's like they're worried about all these things that most likely only one of the things you're worried about is going to come to pass, but yet you're worried about fifty different things.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Because you want it so bad for that, them, I, I understand some, that. There's
0: some truth to that.
3: Yeah, and and you're such a fan, you, you you know, you're hardcore. You have relationships with these guys. I get it, I understand all that. Fine, but I don't know any of these guys, and they're ball players to me. I wish them well in their lives, but they don't know me, and I don't know them. I just know them. Nor as... nor are we going to. Right, and, I, and nor, nor do I want to. <laughs> It doesn't matter to me, Uh, but I want them to win, that's for sure. And so why get all this and get all this uh, little anxiety over most of the stuff that's not going to come to pass because I believe in their talent and I believe if they're healthy and playing well, they can beat anybody, anybody in the West anyway. That's all I'm focused on in the West.
0: As the guy who kicked you off TV, PK, I think there's an email I need to share with you. Are you ready for this? <laughs> no, I'm not, but I'm going to get it anyway. Yeah, that's a true story. I uh, got this email from uh, Larry. It's been a few weeks since I have seen Pat Kincaid with David James on Sunday night. What happened? I look forward and recorded every episode, probably meant every every episode with Pat. Then all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, he's no longer there. Three exclamation points. He let me know what happened to Pat? Three question marks. Thanks, Larry. Good Pat Pat. Pat Kincaid.
3: was well, better than Cunningham.
0: K-I-N-C-A-D-E. You are now Pat Kincaid to me. The
3: nuns used to call me Kinneberg because they had somebody in the class before them. If they ever had somebody, if you had a brother, I had a brother, but he's deceased. Uh, uh, but if you had one in the schools, you were always called the other name. And she had a Patrick Kinneberg, so so the nuns would call me Kinneberg because they were old man. They were probably only in their forties, but when you're ten years old, that that's the same thing about being one hundred. So I'm used to being called a lot of different things:
0: Kinahan, Kinneberg, Kincaid. You know, whatever. All right, DJ and PK, it is time now to bring in Gabe Gomez, general manager of Seringa Networks. They are standing by ready to help you with all of your IT needs. I assume in your line of work, another day, another problem. At some point, you've seen them all, but there's plenty of different things that companies must have going wrong and must need help with.
14: Yeah, that, that's true. We do see quite a, quite a few unique circumstances, and really the biggest thing that we're seeing right now is uh, folks are interested and uh, wanting to find better ways to secure their data and their networks. You know, we see a lot of uh, news articles and all these different things going on about data breaches and hackers and all sorts of other criminal activities happening on people's networks. And that's one of the, the main areas of focus is that we have is is to help people, um, the business clientele out there, secure their data.
0: So you're a full-service provider. What does full-service include?
14: Yeah, full service, uh, and that's a pretty unique thing in the uh, the telecom space that we're in. Most only just do the, the data side of it, where they just uh, provide Internet access or maybe voice services, but we go well beyond that. Not only do we provide those services, but we also provide a, a full suite of IP and security services and other things that, uh, that really are necessary to, to really complete a data network all together and make it operate in a way that, that best suits the environment
0: so uh, local availability for people who want somebody right here can you help them with that?
14: That is correct yeah so we are locally staffed we have uh, uh, highly trained engineers and technicians here in in the Salt Lake area that are uh, available to meet with our clients uh, via zoom or via teams or phone calls or even face to face if you feel safe enough so we certainly have a local presence here that can help the uh, the business customers in in the Utah area.
0: You can reach out to Gabe at syringanetworks.net or you can call Syringa Networks at 385-420-7881. 385-420-7881. Gabe Gomez, the GM of Syringa Networks, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Thanks, Gabe.
14: Thank you, guys.
6: Now let's get this party started!
1: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Aaron Roderick,
4: offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. And if he does go to New York, that's a pressure cooker, and he's going to be expected to perform well. He'll probably get thrown to the wolves early. From a mental standpoint, do you believe he's up for that kind of a special challenge?
12: I do. I think he can handle it. I just think for quarterbacks, everything is about what kind of team can they surround him with. If he does end up in New York, if, if they can put a decent team around him, then I like his chances. I, can kill him. And I think Jack, he's the type of guy that really relishes the opportunity to go to a place that like you know everyone's telling him, no quarterbacks gotten it done for how many years and they start naming them all off and jack loves that like that's who he is like he's like okay great i want it to be you then and that's the type of guy he is
1: hansen scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 975 1280 the zone in the zone sports network
0: DJ and PK brought to you in part by the Dyslexia Center of Utah. Get your foursome together and sign up today for the Dyslexia Center of Utah charity golf tournament. Join the fun May 13th at Cedar Hills Golf Course. 100% of the proceeds go to the Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Space is limited. Find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org. Time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, Good morning. Good morning. Steve, I really want to analyze the playoff race. I'm all about the matchups and who's got the strength of schedule down the stretch, and I am all in for that kind of stuff. And this year, it seems just hopeless between all the injuries to star players and how close the Clippers and Nuggets are in the standings and the three-way tie with the Lakers and the Blazers and the Mavericks. Uh, My head is spinning. I have given up. I have thrown in the towel. I don't see how I can possibly figure out how it's going to finish and what the advantage slash disadvantage would be based on how it did finish if I could figure it out. Are you with me? I'm with you. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for coming, Steve. (laughs) Exactly.
5: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, If we look just specifically – you know, I'm I'm kinda interested to see who's gonna be the number one seed. And as I was kind of looking through and uh you know, it's it's hard to say how okay, the Suns have the advantage, the Jazz have the advantage. I mean the Jazz have I think four or five. They got they got five or six games at home still. Uh the Suns uh have uh about four or five themselves. I don't you know, it's just everybody's playing so sporadically and there doesn't I mean, between like you said, the injuries. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to wrap my arms around this as well. I I, I see Utah obviously or Phoenix uh, is is going to win this thing. Denver might right either right at the end. I mean, they're playing really good and they've had big wins. But uh, it's, I think it comes down to the West, Phoenix and Utah, and literally I have you just don't have any idea. I think it makes it really difficult. You don't have any idea who's playing. You know, uh, are they resting? Are they not involved? Uh, I mean, you look at the Suns. They got the Cavs, the Hawks, the Knicks, Lakers, Warriors, Trailblazers, Spurs twice at the finish. Uh, you know, they're, they're certainly willing to, they're, they're going win five or six games there. You, you could go it in way. And look at the Jazz. They've got the Spurs at home twice. Uh, they got the Nuggets at home. Uh, they got the Rockets at home. They're not very good. Uh, you got Jazz at the Warriors. Warriors will be playing something, trying to even, you know get into the playoffs. Uh, I mean the Jazz have one, two, three, four, five. They have five home games in the road games. You know against the Kings, who are struggling. I mean I think I think the Jazz are in a in a place where they will, will finish first. Um, I, I think that uh, Suns. I mean the Spurs are well coached. Always, it's always a problem and tough playing them. Uh, the Trail Blazers are trying to, you know, they, they're they're really working towards getting into the playoffs and being in a good position. Uh, the most disappointing team is is, is my Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> they don't look very good, and uh, who knows what's going to happen there? But uh, I I like the Jazz finishing one. I mean, I, I just looking at the schedule right now, uh, I think. He Mitch Mitch comes back in a week, so if he comes back, he's he's going to miss a couple of these games, but he's going to be there to get himself ready. So I see the Jazz winning. This, I see the Jazz winning this division, this conference, this Western Conference. And uh, but it it is kind of a mess, and uh, hard to tell these days who's playing, who's not playing. All of a sudden, Toronto, uh, you know, looks like world beaters last night, and uh, everybody's still in it. So. We'll see. Yeah, so
3: I couldn't agree more with everything being jumbled. And it's almost like uh, I look at the standings every day and try to figure stuff out, even though I know as I'm doing it I'm wasting my time because uh, it's going to change. And then in the final analysis, does it matter who you're playing? Is it just up to you? And I was thinking about it over the weekend after the Suns just demolished the Jazz, and it's looking like, oh, man, all this great season is going down the drain. But try not to get too reactionary in the moment, even though it's difficult to do. So I've come, up, I've come up with three scenarios I shared with DJ I want to share with you and it's regarding the Jazz. And my, my thought process is the three components. The Jazz are healthy and playing well. They've got an excellent chance to win. If they're injured to any degree in any of the critical guys, they're probably not going to win. And if they're healthy and don't play well, it's going to be difficult. So I boiled it down to those three. Healthy, play well, good chance to win. Injured, tough. Healthy, not playing as well or as much as you're capable of, Uh, it gets dicey. Those are my three things. How about you?
5: Huh. I I think that well I mean I, it's hard not to agree with the fact that if the Jazz are healthy. I believe they'll play well. I mean Donovan Mitchell. I'm not sure the exact number of games he's missed, but the the moment he comes back, uh, it, it's it's going to make a difference because it, it it requires help. I mean he's he he draws help, which allows guys to have squared up, face the basket shots that. Are not a lot of times contested, so having someone that can create space allows them so when i, I you know when donovan Mitchell if the jazz are healthy and Donovan Mitchell's playing well uh I, they win the they win the division um, i don't i haven't heard anything other than that recently they said that they felt like Donovan Mitchell would be back in a week um that may involve two or three games and if, if you look at that two or three games, they're at home for the Spurs twice. They've got the Nuggets, who are going to be really difficult. They showed that by uh, winning the other night uh, at the Clippers, who were pretty healthy. Um, so, you know, that's going to be a tough out for the Jazz. No matter where the game's played, they're definitely going to beat the Rockets. Uh, you know, the Warriors are playing for something, but by that time, I think, it's by one, two, by the fifth game, Mitchell's got to be pretty healthy. And uh, so I... I, I I think that's the scenario. I mean, if people do get injured, you you, you know, during the course of this process, you never know. Uh, but I think if they're healthy, they'll play well. I don't I don't think they'll play bad. I, I think they'll be good and, and they'll be in a position to finish first. Uh, if they obviously if more guys get hurt, but I think the scenario is like they're going to get well. That Mitchell will be back, and it gives him somebody else that the defense has to pay attention to which allows other guys to be open and you know, I look I look at the Jazz when you know it's been a while, but you know, last week, you know, the Jazz lose to the Timberwolves, uh they shoot thirty eight percent, twenty eight percent, the Jazz beat the Kings and had eight guys in double figures. That same Kings team beat the Lakers <laughs> at LA. Uh the Jazz uh uh lost to the, the Suns, and uh, you know they didn't uh, they didn't play horribly, but certainly not having uh, the, the whole contingent of the team was difficult. And the and the Suns were ready for them, but uh, I think the, the Jazz getting by you know, the, the Raptors without a Donovan Mitchell, and then Raptors last night go in and just take it to the Lakers, so that says something. And and I I think that guys have stepped up so. Uh, Toronto's not a team that all of a sudden Toronto's decided they want to play and uh, I, don't, I don't know that they have the ability to even get into the playoffs but uh, at, the end, at the end of the day when Donovan Mitchell's back the teams that they're supposed to beat I believe they'll beat And because you just give them a guy that can go create on his own and he can create for others because he, Donovan Mitchell requires help and uh, and then you get you know this week, they you know they've got the Spurs, the Nuggets, and uh, the Rockets, and you know I think I think they go three and one. They go three and one this week. I, I believe they'll win the division, and uh, I think the Suns they've got to go to the Hawks. Uh, they've got to uh, go to the Lakers. Maybe the Lakers by then are playing a little bit better, but I see the Suns probably going two and two, and uh, the Knicks are playing much better. Um, but I think this, this week, you, we're going to get a sense and a feel for where they're going to finish. And, uh, you know, again, the, the craziness of players being held out, guys already have positions locked in, uh, all lends itself to making it a little more confusing, as David mentioned earlier. <laughs> but I think I think the body of work for this Jazz team has done enough. If they get him back, if they don't get him back, then, you know, I, I don't think they win the division. Suns will win the division. Hey, Denver, I, I think Denver being three back probably can't do it. But Denver certainly and and Phoenix are the two best playing teams right now in the uh, in, in the West.
0: I'm curious, uh, and it was different because you're coaching college guys and pros are different. You know, they're just they're older, they're more experienced than that. But when guys have been out a long time. Did guys need a week back? Did they need two weeks back? Did they need a game or two or four or five? How long does it take? There's usually like a a re-entry period, and I think we're seeing the Lakers go through it. I I think Jazz fans want the Lakers to be this bad, but I think they're only this bad temporarily. But with the Jazz, how long are Conley and Mitchell going to need to get rolling, especially with Conley because you can't rush hamstrings? You might be able to play on an ankle at eighty percent, but if you're playing a hamstring at eighty percent, you're really begging for trouble. So you got to get healthy first. But how many games ideally would they get?
5: Well, you know, a, a Conley's injury is kind of an unknown. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking me, do I, you know, if I know Mitchell's healthy, I mean, when guys come off, I think the biggest mistake that guys make is they want to come back too soon because they want to help the team. They're, you know, it's, it's late in the season. Uh, but both these teams, the Phoenix and Utah, are going to make the playoffs. It'd be the best to be the number one seed. But but at the end of the day, they're not going to play guys that they know have the potential to be hurt. I think Donovan Mitchell comes back, he makes other guys on that team better. And I that's taking, not taking anything away from Connolly because Connolly has had good games and has done some really good things. But Donovan puts pressure on teams where they require more help. And when you require more help, that means somebody else gets more space to operate, to shoot, and to do those things. And so, the sooner, if I'm hearing that he could be back in a week or even less, if he comes back, uh, then I then I think that they're going to be fine because he just creates problems for teams that hardly doesn't have the ability to attack and do the things that that, that Williams that, that Donovan has. So, um, yeah, I, I would sense that. In teams that I've coached, guys are always anxious to get back. Uh, and I'm sure that, they're, that you know our docs, their docs, making sure that they're ready to come back. But there is, in the mind of anybody that's been out for a long time, there is going to be a little bit of doubt. There is a little bit of anxiety. I mean, just, it comes with it. They're excited. I want to get back in there. I want to get this done. But all of a sudden, that first few shots don't go down, and those kind of things get in your head, and you can lose a little confidence even great players lose confidence. And I mean, I'm watch, I'm watching these Laker games and you know, they got five guys standing around and trying to make a play. That team is talented, but they're, they're not defending and they're not creating stuff in transition where they're the best. And it's just basically one-on-one and can't create enough space to get a guy open. So uh, the Lakers injuries really, really seem evident that they're just not where they need to be. I, I, I am. You would think that they will get this thing turned around. I don't think really, at right this point in time it really matters where they are. I mean, it, it, they're they're not going to have a great seed, and they're just going to have to go out and do it. And maybe get, you know, with their backs to the wall, they step up and make plays. But they have to change the way they're playing. And uh, and and the two guys, the two all stars, need to to play. And 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 again, I don't know those injuries where they're at. If they're really still struggling, they'll have to you back in the mix and trust themselves. But right now, uh, the Lakers, to me, uh, do not look formidable. Not, not at this point. They have to change the way they're playing. They, they've got to start defending again. And, uh, and they can't just stand in five spots, pass the ball around, wait for a double team to come, and then guys open for a shot. I mean, they're, I've never seen them so sluggish and not moving. And the Lakers have to run. That's when they're good. That when they're getting stops. So uh, I'm not. I'm just not real positive about the Lakers right now. They've got eight or nine or ten games to figure it out. They'd figure it out, then nobody wants to play them because they do have some really talented people. But uh, right now, I, my, my money would be on Phoenix and Utah and Denver. I mean, the most impressive team to me has been Denver. You know, they lose all Murray. And he's, you know, he's, I don't know, 18, 19, 20 a night. He's kind of the guy that was huge in the bubble last year, had big games. He hadn't played with quite that much success this year, but Porter stepped in and and made great additions. And, you know, the big fella inside, he's just playing well. So um, I don't think Denver can get to the top. There's not enough games for them. They're three back with both those teams. But, Of of all the teams right now, Denver seems to be playing the best and uh, at at the top level.
0: Well, the Lakers will get it together as soon as LeBron fires whoever's responsible for the play-in tournament, and then he can focus on the hoops and (laughs) they'll get it going.
5: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I don't know. That's going to be tough.
0: Yep, we got to run, Steve. We appreciate the time, and we will check in with you again next week. All
5: right. Talk to you. All right,
0: DJ and PK, Aaron Roderick, BYU football offensive coordinator, coming up in 10 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
1: The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
0: Dennis Dodd is with us from CBS Sports. I want to ask you about the
13: Pac-12 Conference Commissioner search. How's it going?
8: Yeah, it's not going well. They're screwing this thing up. I talked to a person yesterday with intimate knowledge on the search, and it's a mess. They're considering having two commissioners, one that would deal with the ADs and one that would do more administrative stuff. Well, who do those people report to? Each other? I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I can come up with five very capable people off the top of my head right now that could do that job. Hire one of tomorrow and be done with it instead of this drawn-out process, but the longer they go, the longer it looks like they're going to end up with another Larry Scott.
1: Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7 presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Hey, really? Embiid comes out to get it on the right side. Down to six seconds to go in OT. Gorgie Jane guards Joel. Embiid in the lane. Mills driving. Here's a shot by Joel off the back. Tapped in by Simmons. And it counts. They're going to see. That would be a game-winning shot. The buzzer sounded. It's going to count. The Sixers win in OT. 113-111. This is Chevy Strong. Play of the game. Know it today at 450
0: on the Big Show. And you can win fabulous prizes. Ben Simmons, At the buzzer, in overtime, giving Philly the win, which matters to Jazz fans because the Spurs lose that game in OT, nearly went double OT. Thanks for that, Ben Simmons. Uh, The Spurs then had to get on a plane and fly to Utah, and they got to play the Jazz tonight. So while the Jazz may be fatigued playing for the third time in four games, it certainly looked like they were were really... uh, really laboring there at the end of the Toronto game. The Spurs are coming off an OT game and a plane flight, so whatever issues the Jazz have, the Spurs seem to have more of them. And it could have been double OT, PK. It was so close. Ben Simmons wrecking everything. Make him play five more minutes.
3: <laughs> yeah, Wear them out. Fun. Uh, sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're just uh, increasing the odds. Theoretically, anyway, on paper, Jazz still got to go out and win the ball game. But uh, if they go double overtime, have to get. And that's a long flight from some Texas. Antonio, I've taken yeah. that flight. We've yeah. all taken that flight. So you know they they should be gassed tonight. And Popovich is well coached. Uh, you know the team is well coached. But well, I'm sure he's well groomed though. That's
0: he looks true. like I I I mentioned this last night on the show you've sworn off of the show that shall not be mentioned. Talking sports. Uh, he looks like Doc from Back to the Future. That that COVID hair is just white, snow white, and long and flowing, and a little crazy depending on how worked up he gets during the game. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> but whatever. I don't care what his hair looks like; it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I mean, but
0: Doc did. Doc in Back to the Future is one of the great characters who always makes me laugh. That was you know Christopher Lloyd. Actually,
3: I, I thought he was like the the one dude uh, in uh, Poltergeist. There's an old dude
0: who... Oh, was, no, the dude at the door, no. See, Doc is lovable and harmless. The dude at the door, that that guy, preacher what, guy, that guy was scary. And you think Popovich is lovable? I'd rather think that. I don't want to think about no, scary no, 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 guy no, at the you, screen door no, and poltergeist. No, no, you, you can I don't want to think want want. about that guy. That, that
3: wasn't the question. The question was, there was not whether... You no, know. he's not lovable.
0: I'm a reporter. He would like to bite my head off, embarrass me, slap me down. Yeah. I know he would look at me with disdain when I ask some questions standing in front of him. Ha! Back in the before times when we stood in front of people while So we I'm going to go them. with
3: I'm going to either go uh, with uh, what Tom Petty would have looked like if he had lived to eighty. Oh, or okay, uh, I can or, see that. Or Poltergeist guy.
0: Now Poltergeist guy, that's just too. That was a creepy movie all the way around. When, when that when that steak started crawling across the uh, the counter, ugh, ugh, totally yeah. weird.
3: Uh, well, that's where I'm going with.
0: Totally weird. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, Aaron Roderick, BYU Offensive Coordinator. He joins us to talk about uh, his trip to the NFL draft and look ahead after spring football with the Cougars to the fall. We'll talk with Aaron Roderick coming up next. Right now, Gabe Gomez, General Manager of Syringa Networks, joins us. And, Gabe, I would think the last 13 months, your phone's been ringing off the hook. Everybody's switching to people working from home, and then IT security becomes a major issue. So whether it's the network handling the traffic or everybody worried about security, people have plenty of questions for you, I
14: assume. Yeah, that, that's correct. We saw some dramatic shifts in uh, Internet usage uh, go up from all over, from all across the board. We saw a shift from businesses to uh, the people accessing Internet from home, uh, so many different things uh, have changed over the last uh, 13 months, and we've uh, we've been right there with our with our customers, helping them uh, make uh, transitions to remote workforces, or and now we're seeing uh, hybrid workforces as well. So that um, you know, oh, it's a whole different uh, set of uh, issues at that point. So you are a
0: full service provider. Explain to people the many services you provide because you're living it, and they probably it probably won't even occur to some folks.
14: Yeah, so we provide Internet access. We provide uh, uh, services that's called SD-WAN, which is a a way to leverage the Internet to connect remote offices. Uh, We offer VPN services for remote workers. We offer managed IT uh, services such as security, such as uh, network design and consultation. We offer voice services. We offer um, contact centers. So just really the, the entire gambit of anything you can think of that is required to talk to, to connect, an office and have it functional and working and how to connect remote offices together and secure the data between those we we, we really do uh, the the full gambit of services that require the business that require the data to connect different locations together
0: and people are working across multiple time zones sometimes across different continents are you always available
14: yes we are that's that's one of the, the big uh, bonuses to syringa networks uh, there's no Voicemail tree, or some you know annoying chat room, or something like that. This is this is manned by live, uh, highly trained uh, engineers and technicians. Whenever people our customers have have issues or problems, they can call our our local number, or 800 number, or uh, text us, email us. Uh, we can uh, certainly we're we're there to help. Uh, Seven by 24 by 365, holidays, uh, whatever the case, we uh, we're we're here locally to support our our customers.
0: You can call Gabe Gomez and Syringa Networks at 385-420-7881, 385-420-7881, or reach them online at syringanetworks.net, syringanetworks.net. Gabe, thanks a lot. Thank you. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and it's time to welcome back Aaron Roderick to the show, BYU Football Offensive Coordinator. Aaron, good morning. Good
12: morning. What's going on?
0: Well, I mean, P.K. and I are just going through the the normal humdrum drudgery of our lives. You, on the other hand, private jets, red carpets, caviar, I assume. How was the NFL draft?
12: Hey, private jets, the NFL put us on the worst flight itinerary you could ever imagine, okay? It was like, (laughs) it was the the trip home was like the, it, it was just, yeah, it was a day of hell. Pure hell. It was like the... They're punishing us after a good time.
3: <laughs> Explain what was going on.
12: They, I don't know. They just put us on a really tough flight itinerary. We flew, we flew on a packed plane from, from uh, from the draft from Cleveland to Dallas, and then Dallas to Salt Lake. Both planes were packed. It was just, it was, uh, it was like each every gate was as far as you could possibly walk at the far reach of the airport. <laughs> it was just one of those days <laughs> where. We had a really good time, and then the trip home was like, man, is this
3: worth it? <laughs> well, I want to know, when Zach uh, told you you were going, did he call you on your on his Verizon phone while you listened to your Bose headphones <laughs> and ate food on your Traeger grill? And this guy's pipping more things. Well, not... I was gonna say I'm pipping more things than anybody I know, but that's not true. I know some other guys who pimp a <laughs> lot of stuff. But uh <laughs> this guy is taking the capitalism right off the bat. How cool is that?
12: Yeah, his I guess uh I guess his agents have been pretty aggressive with that. He he's he's clueless about it all that. He's just like they're they're just doing it for him. That's what they do, you know. He's he's uh it's funny, all the social media stuff. He's not doing any of that. I don't, I don't. It's all. It's all the those people that he's hired to to uh, take care of it for him.
0: So I'm curious. Uh, with the Jets, are they going to have enough around him that we're going to get a fair evaluation of him as an NFL quarterback? Uh, second-year GM, first-year head coach. There's no track record to go on. I know people want to look at the Jets and say, man, it's been a decade of futility. That's why they have a second-year GM and a first-year head coach. It has been a decade of futility. What kind of, what kind of shot is he going to have with the people around him?
12: I don't know. That, that's, that, that is the million-dollar question, you know, because um, I, I felt like a big reason why he played so well last year was how much better the play around him was. Um, We we were executing much better last year than we had in years prior, and it it obviously it gave him a chance to look good. And I mean, he played great, but it's a lot easier to play well when you're running the ball and you got good receivers and you know just everything. We were third year in the offense, and so those things go hand in hand for a quarterback for sure. And um, it looked to me like they did a good job in the draft. I, you know, I just have happened to see that. That offensive lineman from USC, I've seen him play a lot. We played against them. Just knew of him from having a lot of close proximity to the Pac-12 and a lot of the players in that league. And think he's going to be a really good pro. That receiver they took from Ole Miss is really good. Love that guy. I've watched him a lot. Um, we've we've watched a lot of Ole Miss film the last couple of years or last year, uh, last couple of months I should say. Um, they're good. That that guy's really good. So. And then they finished the season strong last year. I think there's still some, there's a solid core there. I think the core is a little better than maybe, maybe you think. Um, and then the, you know, the new staff. You just hope they can get some momentum and put a good team around him. I know there'll, there'll still be some pieces moving in here and there, but it's it's hard to look good if you don't have a good team around you. And um, that is a tough place. It's this is a this is a tough tough assignment for sure. I'm we're all really excited for him, but I'm very realistic about the fact that he's up against the really, really tough circumstances.
3: So what we could tell is that three coaches, the Satakis and you from BYU, Coach Kerr from Corner Canyon, and then John Beck, I think, was there, and pretty much I think Zach's entire family was there as far as I could tell. Uh, was that normal? Were you able to figure out did everybody have that many guys representing them? with them and how cool was it that he invited all these people uh who weren't family who helped him along the way
12: yeah it was really cool we um we went to dinner the night night before and uh just you know i think all of us felt just kind of honored to be a part of it i think um i was looking around the table while we were eating dinner and just felt like you know first of all really fortunate to coach a player like zach Um, you know, he he definitely made me look good, and, um, you know, I'm sitting there at that table and looking, you know, his dad did a great job just being a good parent, and his dad uh, gave him a lot of, coached him when he was a kid and gave him a lot of opportunities to be a good player, and then he he played for an awesome high school coach, Um, obviously Kalani, uh, the chance to play for Kalani, I think, was a big part of Zach's success because Kalani, Wanted to be great on offense and gave us the uh, gave us the green light to be super aggressive, and then and then obviously I uh, I really like John Beck a lot. We have a good relationship and it was just fun. Bessie got our receivers playing so well this year. Anyway, it was just fun to be sitting there and thinking how everybody at this table had a small piece in in this, and it was just sort of felt like one of those things where it's like a real privilege to be a part of it and be associated with a player. Like Zach, who was so great, and and yet, yeah, as good as he is, he, he wanted he wanted a little piece of what everybody at that table had to give him. He just he's, he's always hungry for more. He wants to learn, he wants to get better, he wants criticism, and um, it was it was just a good time. it was a good feeling.
0: So it's always interesting when guys go off to the NFL. Obviously, they're really busy and they've got things to worry about with their career and their team and how things are going. But you do want those guys to stay available to you know help the old alma mater recruit and all that kind of stuff. How does that work? How do you ride that fine line so uh, whatever impact they have on recruiting they can have it, but you don't bug them and wreck the relationship in the long term too.
12: Um. Yeah there's really not a whole lot that needs to be done directly or can be done. Really. It's, it's more just the, the, fact that, you know, when you have players drafted and you have success, it just tends to breed a little bit more of the same, but more players are attracted to that and want to come. And, uh, the youths have been doing it for a long time. They've had a good run of, of draft picks and then it just kind of continues. And that's, we want to build on that momentum and keep it going. But, you don't actually need. Um, you don't actually need much more than you don't need a whole lot of involvement from those guys. You just—it's it's more just the momentum and the, and the notoriety that comes with it that um, you know that, that hopefully keeps fueling more of it. I think you know in our case, we're always going to sort of get who we get in recruiting in some ways. It's never going to change uh, entirely, but it definitely does. Send a great message to a lot of the you know good players that fit our um, fit our school and fit our program. That hey, you can be a first-round draft pick, or or a third-round draft pick, or a sixth-round draft pick. You can get drafted and playing here. You don't have to go to you don't have to go to LSU or Clemson or something like that to to be a high draft pick.
3: So one of the things we were discussing is the five guys drafted and seven free agent signings. How much does it validate the 11 and one season because it was somewhat controversial because the schedule didn't include any of these power fives and all that we've been over that a million times so how much do you think this recent draft with the signings and drafts validates how good the team was last year
12: yeah I mean I, I've kind of give I've kind of like uh, you know I'm just over trying to validate <laughs> <laughs> with it's, it's hard to go 11 and one it's I don't care who you play it's hard. Uh, you look at all the years that all the years that this market, this the fans in this market were watching whack or or Mountain West football, right? That that went on for a long, long time. How many eleven and one teams were there in that his, in all those years? There there weren't very many, and and uh, so um, for eleven and one or better, you know, not not very many times. And so mm-hmm. anyway, I'm I'm kind of done doing that. But I, do, I was really happy for all those guys that got drafted, and, and I think that uh, several of the free agents are going to have a great chance to make it, uh, Matt Bushman in general, or in, in specific. I think uh, Bushman had a really devastating injury last year and wasn't able to play, and I think that, that injury is such a, you know, it's, it's an Achilles injury that's more serious than like an ACL or something, and I think that... Um, You know, people are a little hesitant on him, but he's going to the Raiders. And I don't know if you guys know, but John Gruden, Coach Chad Lewis, he was his tight ends coach. He was actually his position coach with the Eagles. Uh, John Gruden also loved Doug Jolly, who had a great career with the Raiders. Um, I I know that Gruden sort of has a soft spot for BYU tight ends. And um, I I think Bushman's going to get a great opportunity there to make that team. And there's no doubt in my mind he's good enough I don't know where his health is right now. I haven't seen him. He did pro day he did most of the things on pro day and looked good to me. Um, but he's a guy that I think will make it in that league if um, you know if things go well for him, he's got a great chance. wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays a long time.
0: So, do you see more NFL talent on the BYU roster and a chance to back it up? I mean, no one can predict five draft picks. It's uh, it's a fine line between being a seventh rounder and being an undrafted free agent. So, not to hold you to a specific number, but do you in general see the depth of potential pros on the roster still?
12: Yeah, we've we've got a lot of good players, and um, you know, I, I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, that, that's the fun thing about this is you know the me, the, the message to our team, and specifically that I've been talking to our offense about, is okay. We lost all these good players, Now everybody thinks we're going to suck. And uh, so, you know, that the challenge to our current players is, you know, what are they going to do? What are they going to do about it? And are we going to show up and play, or are we going to go back to being seven and six again? And and that's that's a fun. That's why you play, man. That's that's the that's the competitive nature of this. But um, I like the raw material that we have to work with right now. We've got, we've got more offensive linemen that I think are, are, are uh, going to just pick up where we left off, and we've got some good skill players, and I like the pool of quarterbacks, and, and you know, we're going to be good on defense again. It's just a little bit different team, but um, still a lot of good players returning. Our running backs, both back. So there's, there's some good players there that, you know, if they go out and do it on the field, then that's where the NFL opportunities come from. You know, the, the last team that had five draft picks went 12-2. and two. That was the, two, the 2001 team was 12-2. and two. And it's no, no surprise that the following spring in that draft, five guys get drafted and several more went as free agents, and several of those guys had, had really good pro careers. Um, Doug Jolly was one of them that I just mentioned. You know, there, was, there were a couple other guys on that, on that team that had, had good pro careers and um so the opportunities usually come from winning a lot of games and that's that's what i want our team focused on right now is win games and then then the cream will rise to the top and that's how guys get chances at the next level
3: is there a depth chart at quarterback
12: um not exactly no i i it's still open um the Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover, we're gonna battle. Those three guys are gonna battle in fall camp. Um Soljay is in the mix. Uh you know, I haven't completely eliminated him yet, but he's just a just a notch behind those other three guys right now. Um, still think he has a lot of promise in the future. He's a very dynamic athlete. He's just um but we're going to go into fall camp with those three guys initially, and then we'll, we'll, work, we'll work pretty quickly to narrow that down. I, I have a pretty good idea how I'm going to, how I'm going to create the competition. I, I've got a good plan for that. I've already communicated clearly with our defense and with Kalani about um, how we're going to get that done, and mostly just involves playing a little bit more 11-on-11 football than you usually would in the early parts of camp. But I think, I think our with our system being as well established offensively and defensively, I think we can get to that pretty quickly.
0: So obviously, the o line is taking a hit here with the draft and the uh, the undrafted free agents and all that. There was clearly a lot of talent there. Do you feel like you not only have the high end talent, but the the depth to handle what you're about to face?
12: Yeah, you know, depth is always a is always the biggest question. For us, at least it has been in this uh, independence, you know, era playing P5 teams. We we usually can field a, a starting eleven on each side of the ball that can play with, you know, with any of the teams on our schedule. And then, you know, the story of a couple of the years where we, you know, didn't finish like we wanted to was we get a little banged up, and sometimes the backup guys aren't quite quite there yet. I think this team is is deep. Um, you know, you mentioned offensive line. The you know we're going to be starting some guys this year that played a ton last year, whether they were listed as starters or not. We were we went ten deep last year, and we had so many big wins that those guys got to play a lot. And some of them played a lot anyway. Uh, you know, Blake Blake Freeland, for example, he started games for the last two years for us, and he's going to take over at left tackle for Brady. Um, he's six foot nine, and has started. He's a super athlete. He was state champ in the shot put and was a good basketball player. Um, he's going to play left tackle, and he's played a lot of games for us last year, so I don't really even view him as a new guy, even though he's taken over for a third-round draft pick. And, and uh, Harris Lachance is going to start at right tackle for us. And same thing, he's played a lot of football the last couple of years, and he's six foot eight and also super athletic. Um I expect a lot from both of those guys and technically they weren't starters last year. So, um, they started on and off over the last two years, but they weren't every game guys like Brady and and uh Chandon Herring, you know, but and then Joe Tukufu is another one. I mean, he started about five games last year. He I, I I expect him to find a way to be a starter this year and um if he's not it's because it's because Connor Pay beat him out, and Connor Pay is another one who wasn't considered a starter last year, but played played in a lot of games and has a really bright future as well. So I'm uh, really confident about the offensive line, even though even though we just lost three guys in the NFL. I think I expect there to be no drop off, and um, you know, with our running backs as good as they are, I think we should be able to pick right up where we left off. At least in that in that part of our offense, we should be solid.
3: How does it work with the Nakua brothers? I don't know that they're enrolled in school. What are you allowed to do as far as interaction with them?
12: Yeah, they can start. So they're starting up with us here shortly. Um, Some with this spring semester coming up, they can start, and they can start working out with our team. So they will be getting going here real real soon.
0: So when you look at the schedule, I'm curious how much you can really figure out about these teams between players who may have opted out, between freshmen who uh, didn't really get a chance to shine, who will now be sophomores making an impact. You always have newcomers who can make an impact with the transfer portal. As far as opponents, are you flying blind more than ever?
12: A little bit, especially with Arizona. Our first opponent, um, they had a coaching change. And my understanding, so first of all, with the coaching change, we're watching Michigan film because the defensive coordinator came from Michigan. So we're we're learning the scheme by watching Michigan film. We're trying to learn the personnel by watching Arizona film. But, you know, as you watch the film, it's like, well, that guy's not there anymore. That guy's not there anymore. This guy transferred. So it's kind of hard. You're trying to sort out who's actually still playing on there for them, who's not, and then – uh, they've gotten a number of transfers in. They got a DB from Notre Dame. They got another one. I can't remember from where uh, that we were just talking about the other day. So then you're trying to figure out, okay, who's this guy and where is he likely to play in this scheme, in this Michigan scheme? It's it's kind of a it's kind of a guessing game a little bit. And I think our our uh, defense is kind of in the same boat because uh, the head coach was in the NFL last year. He's he's been in college football and he was at UCLA not that long ago, but. It's a little bit of a guessing game, what they're going to do. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to it there. Um, and there's more turnover than ever before in college football. And it's, uh, it's time to just stop complaining about it and just embrace it and deal with it because it's how it is. And so you can't have any excuses for it and can't say, Oh, we don't know what's going to happen or who we're going to have or who they're going to have. You just got to get ready to play. And, um, so we're mostly focused on ourselves and just making sure we're squared away and we know what we're doing and then we'll do the best we can to be ready for for Arizona but the answer that was a long long answer but yeah it's it's an issue
3: as I understand it the uh, recruiting gets back to normal in June is everybody going to have a ton of guys on campus is that how it's going to work
12: I think so yeah it seems like it you know we're still not able to go back out on the road so Normally, the month of May would just be constant travel for college coaches. You'd be out the whole month pretty much um, just getting all around the country trying to see your prospects, uh, evaluate them and then but they're they're still not allowing that, but what they are allowing in June they're allowing guys to visit your campus and so with uh, you know shoot a whole year of nothing, I think pretty much every every school is going to have guys visiting almost every day in June. It's going to be, it's going to be a busy month for sure, but we're really looking forward to it. I I think every college coach is looking forward to that because, um, recruiting can become a grind and it's, it's, um, you know, some, in some ways it's my least favorite part of the job, but in other ways I, you know, I really enjoy, I enjoy the process of trying to project what a young guy is going to be in several years. And, um, sometimes you get it wrong sometimes you get it right but I I like that going through that process and um, I really felt for the kid the high school guys in these last couple classes who didn't get the chance to get recruited the normal way I think there's a lot of good players that are getting overlooked or uh, maybe not ending up uh, at the level that they belong and so um, I, I just I'm happy for the these younger classes that are coming up now, hopefully we can get back to normal for them and they can have more opportunities.
0: Well, hey rod we appreciate a little bit of time, and uh, I can tell you because I had family in Cleveland for a while, not anymore, there's no easy way to fly in and out of Cleveland. There's no directs. We get spoiled in Salt Lake. We get directs everywhere. It just doesn't happen.
12: I learned that the hard way, yeah. I didn't know.
0: Dallas, that's rough, though. That's way out of the way. Usually you just get to fly to Detroit or something. Cincinnati, yeah. maybe. We went through
12: We went through Chicago on the way there and Dallas on the way home. That was a treat. But <laughs> all, all worth it, though. We had a great time. It was fun.
0: Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. And uh, look forward to talking to you as we get closer to the season.
12: Yeah, guys. Go Jazz.
0: See ya. <laughs> Aaron Roderick, BYU football offensive coordinator. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed on this show will get you up to speed. Next, that is on the way. Also, your feedback. Hit us up on Twitter at DavidDJJames, on Facebook at DJ and PK, and grab the phone, use use our app, use the open mic feature, and send us your takes. Question of the day, A-Rod's done validating the past season, but did the five draft picks validate this BYU team this past season in your mind? Hit us up on the app. On the open mic feature, time to welcome in Gabe Gomez, General Manager of Syringa Networks. And Gabe, there's a lot going on with IT these days: remote workforce and also businesses looking to cut costs and office space. I I think this trend you've seen the last year, it's it's going to keep rolling, isn't it?
14: Yeah, it sure seems to be the the case. We we do definitely see uh, uh, more people, more businesses, rather. Um, really settling in on this uh, remote workforce or a hybrid workforce model, which kind of de-emphasizes office space. And so at Thuringia Networks, we're definitely uh, here to help consult and uh, prepare business clients out there as to how to go about doing this uh, with the the best Internet access, the best type of connectivity, uh, the most secure networking uh, available as well.
0: You know, I think we all have experiences that technology is awesome until it isn't, and when it isn't, it's really frustrating. So to handle that, you've got uh, you got local folks available to help, and you got help around the clock, right?
14: Yeah, that's correct. That's one of the big standouts at Syringa Networks is that uh, we don't leave our, our clients uh, just out, out, on the, out on the whim or have to you know look at some website to get answers. Uh, we have uh, fully trained engineers and technicians and sales professionals and consultants. Here, locally available to work with our clients, uh, work with uh, customers interested in in uh, talking and discussing about how they can go about uh, doing any aspect of IT or telecommunications. Um, all they have to do is, is call our local number or go to our website, and uh, you know they can chat with us there, or they can send us text messages. We're available really by any uh, seven by by twenty four by three sixty five to help our our clients and customers interested in. In transitioning their their networks over to to a more secure, stable platform,
0: and to get a hold of you guys, uh, there's a couple ways to do it. Better by phone, online, or does it matter?
14: It really doesn't matter. They're all manned by uh, by highly trained professionals. Uh, certainly, uh, you know we 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 enjoy talking to our clients uh, directly, so we we, we love uh, getting phone calls. Uh, but uh, really, any method that uh, our, our customers are. Uh, prospects uh, are you know are comfortable with we're, we're we're there
0: you can reach them online at syringanetworks.net or call 385-420-7881 385-420-7881 thanks gabe thank you
1: <laughs> number one Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
13: In my eyes, he's the greatest to ever do it. I don't don't care about Super Bowls or or whatnot, but uh, we, we want him back here.
3: That's all well and good, Matt, but what if he doesn't want to be back here?
13: Yeah, I know, and and I I can't even take my brain to that that spot right now. So, um, I just want to do everything in my power to to ensure that that doesn't happen.
0: That's Matt Lafleur, Packers coach, on Aaron Rodgers' greatness and wanting Aaron back in a Green Bay uniform. Of course, all the Stories around the draft were that Aaron is really unhappy in Green Bay. So that saga continues on. You know what else continues on? The countdown to Mother's Day. Mother's Day is Sunday. You can get the best blanket ever. It's also the best gift for Mother's Day. Miki Couture, Sandy, and her staff coming through with a 50% discount for Zone listeners. All you have to do to all you have to do to get half off is mention zone. 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code ZONE50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. All right, PK, we've had a lot of news in this show. We've had a little news break here uh, just during the last hour. The Utes have a home-and-home home with Wisconsin going to Camp Randall in 2028 and a home game in 2033. Mark Harlan, Utah AD, tweeting out, calling all 6- to 11-year-olds, make sure you sign up for Pee-wee football <laughs> because we need you to help us beat the Badgers in a few years. Let's go! All caps, exclamation uh, point.
3: Uh, that's a funny tweet then. I didn't see that with Mark Harlan. That is a good one because in 2020, uh, 2033, did you say? What yeah,
0: 2033 is, is the home game.
3: So what is that? Uh, 12,
0: 12 years was, out.
3: Yeah. Great. Well, obviously. <laughs> Uh, that'll be, uh, who knows what's going to happen in 2023. I mean, Shanahan couldn't guarantee we'd be alive three days from now, (laughs) let alone 13 13 years from now. So, uh, sure, I think that's awesome. I think Utah should be doing that type of stuff. They're a big-time program that puts a lot of guys in the NFL, and they're not the upper tier, but really the upper tiers, maybe five teams. But they're right there. In the next year. And by 2033, who's to say that they can't be, really, we don't even need to wait that long to think that maybe they could be in that situation where they are Who knows? knocking on the door of
0: a <laughs> playoff. We but, got 2033, not only is Kyle Whittingham not going to be coaching the team in 2033, how old would Kyle be in 2033? What does that put him, early to mid-70s? Well,
3: will be 62 in November. So, so
0: 74. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He'd be 73 when they play the game. I assume it's a September date. I didn't look for him. but So that'd be 73. September 16th. So not yeah. only is Kyle probably not going to be the coach then, whoever succeeds Kyle may not be the coach then.
3: It uh, may not. You hope that it is, though, because that means that person's having success. Right. And continuity in the coaching staff goes a long, long way towards uh, having success. Those are they, – they go hand in hand. Uh, so. I don't know what's going to be ahead. Obviously, I don't even know in 2028. Uh, My guess is that Kyle wouldn't be coaching in 2028 when they go to Camp Randall. But uh, I think it's – the point being for Utah is they're a big-time program and they should be playing big-time programs themselves. And I think that if it were me, I think that they should be – you keep talking about wanting to have a rivalry with SC – well, then you very well could be able to play a BYU and a big-time opponent in the same season. Because if you want to be on the same level as SC, SC does it. SC does it every freaking year. So, And you like to think that you're close to them and you've got this budding rivalry. Well, they need to act like it and stop saying that, well, just because we play a Power 5 program, we can't play BYU. If you don't want to play BYU, that's fine. But don't say... You can't play them because you're playing another Power 5 program. That's what I'm saying. You don't want to play them. Uh, my life's going to go on just as well with or without the game. It doesn't. It's not that big of a deal to me. It's a football game. Who cares? But if you want to be of the line of SC, well, SC does it every single year because they play Notre Dame every year, and they're always playing at least one other Power 5, if not two other Power 5s.
0: We've seen them schedule uh, Texas and Alabama and yeah. whoever else. I mean, they're, USC's all about it. They don't care. If anything, they overschedule.
3: The anything. Same thing
0: with Stanford. Yeah. Well, Stanford had that year that uh, they played Notre Dame and Northwestern, and Northwestern got them in the opener, and they won the conference, and they were 11-2 and and got left out of the playoff because they took on such a challenging schedule.
3: Well, if you want to be – if you think you're equal to those teams, well, then prove it in your scheduling. And don't play BYU. That's fine. But don't tell me you can't play them because you're playing Florida. That doesn't make any sense to me. Your rivalry with BYU is certainly no bigger than SC's rivalry with Notre Dame. I mean, come on.
0: This year it's Notre Dame, BYU, and San Jose State for USC. USC. And San Jose, that may sound like a laugher, but San Jose looked awfully good last year.
4: USC is one of, I think, three programs who have still not ever played, played an FCS team. Yeah, they haven't.
3: Yeah, I think their crosstown rival is the other one, too, isn't it? UCLA
4: is one of them, and I think Notre Dame is the other. And there you go.
3: So. Well, I don't have any problem playing that that game. So many, if Alabama does it,
4: you sure. can do it. Sure, yeah. You, if Alabama's going to do it, might so, as well.
3: I just don't like the explanation, well... We're playing Florida, so we can't play BYU. That that doesn't sit with me. You've beaten them nine times in a row. Why in the hell can't you play them?
0: All right, the other stuff we've been talking about during this show, we talked BYU football. Do the five draft picks validate the 11-1 and record? And the answer to that, judging by our social medias, uh, if you're a BYU fan, absolutely, and if you're a Utah fan, absolutely not. It's simply the rivalry, PK. seems pretty obvious that 11-1 – uh, is a really good record. You can throw the Coastal Carolina loss at him, but you travel across the country on two or three days uh, practice time. You didn't even get the full week. And I think the game that stands out for me with, uh, with BYU this year is, who smokes Boise State like that? Boise State hasn't lost five games like that in 15 years. Washington got him in a bowl game, and I think they got him one other time. And I think Georgia got him pretty good once down at Georgia in an opener. But to go to Boise State and win like that, you're a really good team. Nobody does that to the Broncos. Yeah, that's cause you you're on it. this
3: side of the country and your Aztecs play them. But people on the other side of the country would say Central Florida. Uh, so I'm, I'm with A-Rod. I don't think this the draft validated this season because I don't think the season needed validation. The, the season spoke for himself. I'm glad he said he's over it because I'm over it too. The season was great and you want to knock it knock it all you, all you want, but NFL people thought if Zach Wilson didn't go two, he was going to go three. If he didn't go three, he was going to go four, and you get the point.
0: Five and quarterbacks in the first half of the first round, he was always going to be one of them, regardless and he's of gonna, and, and if team. you want
3: to argue with him, just call him on the Verizon, and maybe you can listen to some tunes on your Bose headphones while you eat food off the <laughs> trigger grill, while you do this, while you do that. Man.
0: <laughs> that guy <laughs> hey he's got an aggressive agent a rod told us he was really quite quite dismissive just oh, kind boy. of a he doesn't know anything about this. this is his agent this is why you hire these guys that guy's aggressive great Zach's yeah, onto the football uh, you
3: still got to sign off on it you do and if you if you go on his social media partnered with and if somebody else is doing it it's still his name and most importantly he's getting the cash. Yeah It's also and, then, and I think that's part of the deal to what we've been hearing local guys say, Trevor Riley, I think it was last summer, maybe it was the summer before, probably the summer before. yeah, it would have been summer before because last summer was COVID where he said, man, if you want to live in a community, play in that community and you can cash in in that
0: community. And
3: Zach Wilson will go down as a local legend.
0: BYU fans will always flock to him, always.
3: Yeah, and we've got people wanting to know about his church affiliation. and What some guys asking you about it? Like, I don't know, and I don't give a crap, man. He seems like a good kid. That's all that matters.
0: Yock would know. Yock would like to interrupt uh, NFL talk because there is Laker news. According to Sham
4: Sharania, uh, Dennis Schroeder is going to be out for 10 to 14 days due to protocols, a.k.a. COVID. Co, 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 so COVID. Another guy for the Lakers to overcome if
0: they're going to. Well, if LeBron and AD get it together, they ought to be able to carry it for 10 to 14 days. But clearly, they had Steve Cleveland on, and they've not gotten it together, and they're not looking good. LeBron's first two games back, they lost to Sacramento right after Sacramento gave up 154 points to the Jazz, and they turned around and lost to Toronto at home, actually started well, had a nice little lead in the game, and suddenly we're down by 20. I know, so that, that game, was amazing. That game, it was a 30-point swing. They were up eight, and they were down 22. Voila. And Laker Twitter was losing its mind.
3: Oh, I lost my mind. I lost my religion and my mind, along with one other thing several years ago. But uh, I'm still not going to count them out until I see LeBron with four losses. I mean, it's not going well right now. But it doesn't really need to go well right now because they weren't going to get the best record. They weren't even going to get close to it. Uh, and if they should get in that playing game, that would just be awesome. With LeBron coming out, whoever created that shiz should be fired. <laughs>
0: If the Lakers are in that seven-eight game and they be lose awesome, it, wouldn't it, and they play Golden State, who wins the nine-ten game? Not only will the person who came up with it not get fired, they, they will get promoted and get a raise. Steph Curry, LeBron James, one game, winner take all. Winners in the playoff, losers done. Yeah, a few people will be sitting down in front of a TV to watch that game.
3: Sunday afternoon at the one thirty.
0: Uh, no, it'll be a weeknight game. I assume it will be TNT on a Thursday night.
3: When so? When does that start? I think
0: those things. Well, I think they're offset east and west. I think one's going to run Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The Others going to run uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They they may also be holding right off on announcing another, the huh? dates to see how much travel. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's what it's I was the wondering. first time they've done it, so we're trying to figure it out. Uh, but I would assume they'd offset them for TV, get as many awesome prime oh, TV yeah, yeah, windows yeah, as possible.
3: Well, that one they'd redo the whole next bracket. Put it at Sunday. <laughs> Everybody
0: <laughs> freeze the playoffs. We got LeBron and Steph. Winter take start off. them on Monday.
3: <laughs> You're not going to hardly get two bigger names than that. In all in all
0: seriousness, you know they were talking about hey, well, we got the stars on the West Coast, and we can't have them playing them all these you know games that start at 10:30 on the East Coast. They do yeah. not want to start Steph and LeBron at 10:30 on the East Coast. They I don't know so. what they're going to do to massage that as far as. You know, well, one game on a night too. and give the East Coast the night off or the Eastern playoff the night off. but they'll do something because if it really came to that and it probably won't, that's just too juicy. But if it did come to that, even though it won't, that would be awesome.
14: Yeah,
3: it
0: would be. I mean, the Lakers may not even fall to seven. They're in a three way tie for five, yeah, six, know. seven. they could still be the five seed. So right. the only thing we know is there's a big break between four and five. that's that's the divide that can't be jumped. But the uh, Clippers and Nuggets aren't that far behind the Jazz if the Jazz don't get their guys back and, and you know, struggle. This is a, a winnable game tonight, and they need to get it the same way they needed to get that Toronto game and were able to pull it off Saturday. Uh-huh. All right, DJ and PK, that's a lot of what we've been talking about. Your feedback coming up next.
6: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere.
0: DJ and PK, it is time for the feedback. Everything you have to say about today's show. Josh says, not sure PK is thinking clearly to say seating spots one or two don't really matter. Game seven in Phoenix, LA, LA, or Denver, monumentally different than game seven played in Utah. Come on, man. You know the Jazz play better than they actually are at home. Okay, but if you're one or two and you don't play Phoenix in the conference final, then you don't have a game seven with Phoenix that matters.
3: Yeah, hence, I mean, I'm not sure that it really matters. Yeah, sure, I'm, in that scenario, it does matter, but that's a long way off.
0: Do we really think the Suns and the Jazz are going to meet in the conference final? There are uh, so and, many possibilities that at this moment I view as all endless. equally probable. Yeah, they really, well. <laughs> <laughs> they're not endless.
3: Endless! Okay, you tell the Jazz right now, you got Game 7 to go to the NBA Finals in Phoenix. Take it. No, yes. Oh, they else. would hit
0: fast forward and take it. Sign Absolutely, on the bottom line.
3: they would. There's so
0: many things that could go wrong in the month. Well, really, five and a half weeks leading up to that game.
3: My cognitive thinking has never been clear.
0: Ooh, cognitive. That's a 3 I don't even word. know what it means. I man. think and you just, do.
3: I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I can spell it. I'm pretty decent spelling. But definitions, I mean, look at words. They morph meanings. Who knows? They I do. Mean, you just told me brace means two
0: goals. I thought brace is something you put on your knee. Ah, I've done that. I have put a brace on my knee. Yes, that's multiple meanings. We heard the word uh, notoriety used incorrectly this morning. I also heard someone drop a very unique, and I thought you flinched both times, but you let it go. Good work by you.
3: Well, unique is unique, and notoriety is from the negative,
0: right? And it was used as a positive, but what are you? They,
3: well, they they mean publicity, yes, attention, those types of things.
0: Clint says, so as Alema would say, it's not the coach that follows the coach, but the coach that follows the coach that follows the coach. Hashtag GoFutureUts, hashtag football. Clint reacting to the thought that Kyle Whittingham will not be coaching, well, he may not coach one of those Wisconsin games. He won't coach both of them, we'd think. And maybe even the guy who follows him won't, so... Don't follow the man. Follow the guy who follows the man.
3: Yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I mean, uh, Ryan Day is fine at at uh, Urban Meyer at Ohio. Oh, well, Kyle,
0: Kyle followed Urban. That worked out. That was not uh, an easy an act to follow. That's example, right yeah. there. That yes. was not an easy act to follow. <laughs> oh no! Twenty-two no. and two, two conference titles. Hey, good luck, new guy.
3: <laughs> right man for the job, though. That's for sure.
0: Well, the four-year arc that landed him in the Sugar Bowl and beat Alabama, and that was. Uh, uh, Kyle was basically a made man at that point.
3: Oh, he's going to go down as the winningest coach in Utah football history, is he not? I believe he is. Yeah.
0: Uh, we got Jazz fans uh, <laughs> hanging on. Clint, Clint listened to uh, listen to me talk to Steve Cleveland and said, uh, DJ just asked Steve what's known as a Bernardino question. I said, where are you? Which seed are you hanging on to? And he said, the one seed of Reno. Steve seemed to be open to the one seed. I got to admit, I was kind of giving up on that, but he was very much open to it. And I think he's also thinking that Donovan's back in another week.
3: I don't know when Mitchell is coming back. Uh, my, My concern right now is that he be healthy for the postseason and him along with Conley. That's my overriding number one concern. And I've sort of conditioned myself right now that these guys aren't going to be back. And so if they do come back, then it's a bonus. I'm far more, I mean, 99% concerned that when the opening tip comes for game one that they can do all the things that they're capable of doing without having it somewhere on their mind about this injury or whatever injury it is that they both have. They have different injuries, obviously. That's, That's where I'm at. If they come back sooner, great, love it.
0: All right, I'm going to retweet this right now, PK. Uh, Jetpacks. People zooming around. The British Royal Navy, the uh, British Marines putting this video out. Do you want a jetpack? Do you want to be able to zoom around in the sky straight out of the Jetsons?
3: Well, I don't want to go too high or too fast.
0: (laughs) But you wouldn't mind hovering? Yeah. Ten miles an hour around the neighborhood just at the treetops?
3: Uh, Yeah, you know, if I need to get somewhere... Get down to Provo for a practice or whatever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Swoop low over South Mountain. Disappear into Utah County.
3: Yeah.
0: All right, I just retweeted that. You can check that video out. It's fun. Your commute could look a lot different. A commute? What's a commute? Everybody works from home. What are you talking about, Grandpa? What is this commute thing you speak of? All right, time to welcome in a guy who is... uh, Making commutes unnecessary. Syringa Network's general manager, Gabe Gomez. And Gabe, I suppose it's been nonstop for you the last year, the last 13 months here, as uh, businesses work on making their remote employees more efficient.
14: Yeah, that, that is a, a true story there for sure. You know, um, it's one of the things that uh, we've been extremely busy working on is helping our clients uh, transition uh, folks, uh, their employees, uh, to work from home or to become hybrid workers, helping them with the, whatever kind of IT collaborative solutions that they might need for voice or for video conferencing so that they can have their employees uh, just as productive as if they were in the same building. So
0: making people available around the clock, because, you know, some of us, technology goes wrong and we're pretty frustrated. We need help right away, and we need real, live people.
14: Yeah, we totally get that. I mean, uh, most of our clients, there their day job isn't doing IT services. They do other things, and so that's where we... Uh, really come into into the picture we have highly trained engineers and professional technicians that are available around the clock to uh, help our clients with whatever technical support type issues that they may have or if they're looking to do something different uh, we can certainly uh, consult with them and help them to uh, uh, to see what other options they might have for telecommunications internet access uh, i.t services uh, collaboration type services those sorts of things it
0: also seems like the need to upgrade security is never-ending
14: Oh, that is, that is very true. Uh, today, that's uh, you know, one of the, uh, the big uh, hot buttons that most uh, companies have is how do we secure our data with employees all over the place? How do we make, uh, make it, our data safe? And uh, one of the things that, the, that we do help our clients with is, uh, is just that, is IT security, best practices, those sorts of things.
0: All right, Gabe Gomez, GM, Syringa Networks. You can give him a call, 385-420-7881, 385-420-7881, or hit him up at syringanetworks.net, Seringanetworks.net. Gabe, thanks a lot. Thank you all. And thanks for joining us. Scotty and Hans are coming up next.